Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, I am back from sunny San Diego, a day late. I might add, because of stupid American oh, no. bumping my, our flight 15 hours. Like, it's weather. Like, oh, it's weather. But it's perfect weather here, and it's perfect weather in Chicago. I know some people there <laughs> at the time Yeah, of the but flight. it's not perfect weather and, like, other things for people to make connections to other flights and for crews that can't get out. And I, it, it's a really bad mess. And you know what would fix this mess is trains. you know what else would have fixed my mess getting a hotel voucher because we did nothing wrong and the weather was fine and but anyways i'm grumbling did you did you have to get did you just sleep in the airport no we just overstayed our welcome by yet another day crashing with my very patient friend um but otherwise we would have been just sleeping at the airport Mm because hotel rooms are expensive around the continent in san diego so um it was a lovely convention we're gonna be talking at the end of the show uh with my sister again she's joining us once again for our wrap-up of san diego comic-con um it's There was a lot of news that came out of Comic-Con this year. There was a lot of craziness um, that went on, which we'll get to in our wrap-up. Noel, how how closely were you following any of this when it was going on? Did you, every now and again, you see something on Twitter, or did you not even pay attention? It was pretty much every now and then I'd see something on Twitter, and then it was just like, I guess I'll watch all these trailers on Monday, was (laughs) how I handled most of that. Um, I was also like incommunicado for base- most of Saturday because I went to go see two movies and it was just like, oh, well, I'm not going to pay attention to any of this. And then a friend of the show, Corey Barker, texts me and he's just like, Emerson on the arrow. And I just went, sons of bitches. <laughs> well, what did you go see? There's one way you were going to get me come back to Arrow. It's Michael Emerson in a recurring <laughs> role. Uh, I'm going to go see Baby Driver and Spider-Man Homecoming. And? Survey says. Um, uh, Baby Driver was fine ish i guess Ooh, um yeah faint praise yeah well it felt like a first film from a guy who's made like five or six movies mm. so i kind of went oh yeah this is this is fine but it's also really weird that this movie does not end in a car chase uh so That's, i'm making my puzzled face listeners i haven't yeah. seen it yet you know i'm yeah. sure i'll enjoy the musical aspects of it when i do see yeah. it but it's yeah. weird yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine movie. I enjoyed playing Atlanta Bingo. It was what I ended up doing most of the time because it's shot and shot and takes place in Atlanta. So I just went. I know where those places are. That street is never that busy without paid extras. Um, <laughs> and Spider Man Homecoming was really good. I think that was the most fun I've had in a Marvel movie since like the first Captain America movie. Yeah, I really really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and just having because I went to see it uh, by myself. I went to like a, a morning screening, um, just you know, because I felt like it, and I actually had a mm-hmm. little bit of free time. So I was like, "I'm gonna go do that," which is delightful and fun. Which I know you have talked about before, Noel, but I actually yeah. rather enjoy going to uh, to see movies at at convenient times for me. That which means not convenient for anyone else because I work when other people are off. And I had I, Baby Driver almost all to myself. Like yeah. three people came in as the previews were starting. I was like, no, this was going to be a private screening. <laughs> I love when that happens because you can just talk. You can like yell at the screen if you want and not yep. be like fear like a, psh, psh, 
you know, scolding. Um, but no, with homecoming, it just it just made me so happy to to see it back in high school, you know, and mm. the the feel of all that was super fun. And I love I love the casting of that one. But this is not a movie podcast. It's a TV podcast. <laughs> no, I'm getting distracted. No, it's a TV podcast about San Diego Comic Con right now. So <laughs> what else? Like that we're not going to discuss at the end of the, in the uh, wrap up segment. What stood out from this that you wanted to like get a beat on? Oh, uh, well, it was, you know, again, I, we, we had a really fun time at Comic-Con this year. And again, we'll get into that at the end of the show, but at the end of the episode. But um, like you were saying, I just spent some time on YouTube watching the trailers. That's all I did, too, because <laughs> we, we didn't go to anything that was going to have a crazy trailer. The lines for wristbands to get into Hollywood the next day were insane, starting from the morning of the previous day. So it's like... We weren't going to do that. So we didn't see any of the big panels. We didn't see any of the, like, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things. Like, we didn't do any of that. Um, but we still had a really fun time. And, we, you know, we talked. We saw a bunch of great stuff with um, TV stuff and, and lots of fun with cosplay. Just observing this year. And, uh, no, it, but it, it, was, it was a good time. And, again, I enjoy how much you can do of Comic-Con. <laughs> From the comfort of your home <laughs> down to just entire panels being put up online, which I think is a really smart advertising thing for 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 these different companies like studios and stuff. Why wouldn't you put the whole panel? It's just an ad for your thing. And right. It doesn't match the energy of being in the room. Like they could have taped the Winona Earp panel and put that online. And I'm sure lots of uh, Winona Earp fans would love to watch it but that's not going to come anywhere near what it feels like to be in the room so it's not like you're detracting from people who are like i don't even need to go you know (laughs) it's not i think there's like a it doesn't overlap i don't think it eats away at the audience potential so uh i I haven't searched to see exactly how many of the panels are up online but there are certainly a few that if they do show up there hopefully in official forms um i would like to check out so yeah no it was it's been it's it's been a, a full week and now I'm back to actual regular life and I have to, you know, like get back into the swing of getting ready for the fall. So it's just a lot of paperwork and catching up on a week of emails. It was, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't answer emails for like a week. It was, it was so beautiful. It was so Aww. beautiful. Oh, well. That sounds really relaxing. Yeah. There's there's one controversy out of Comic-Con that I feel like we should talk about based on our our previous discussions and priorities on the show. Um, and that is some of the hullabaloo around the Supergirl panel and cast interaction and stuff at Comic-Con. Now, my Twitter feed was like, I've, I've got a lot of Winona Earp on my twitter feed yeah and i've got a lot of supergirl on my twitter feed and so my my twitter just like exploded the day of the supergirl panel because of this stuff did you even hear about like do you know what i'm talking about when i say the I have, supergirl stuff i have no idea what you're talking about um yeah i saw all the winona erp stuff with the renewal and some of the chatter around it but i didn't see anything i saw vague stuff about the supergirl panel but i never like followed up on it or anything i just went Okay, uh, yeah, I just kind of went okay uh, yeah. to it at all, but I didn't follow up. So what happened to the Supergirl panel? Well, it wasn't actually at the panel. What okay. the, the the thing that created the frustration amongst the fan base um, that I saw at least was in a like an interview with like Entertainment Weekly or somebody. They have a bunch of different outlets that ha- set up 
spaces to be to interview full cast like the guide has a boat (laughs) like a yacht or whatever that they use and there's different things um and so at one of these interviews with the entire cast of the show um the person who was moderating or like interviewing um asked had jeremy jordan in the cast like improv a song about what happened on supergirl this year and um so as part of that Jeremy Jordan was singing about how Kara met a new friend and he's pointing at, at Lana, um, uh, uh, Lena, sorry, Lena. And, and then he goes into this whole, they're just friends. They're just friends. They're only friends. And like the cast is like, especially notably, uh, Melissa Benoist are all laughing at that. And he's like, just keeps emphatically gesturing, basically saying, Super core people, come on. What's wrong with you? There's no romantic subtext. Um, and that did not go over well with the with the super core fan base and I think plenty of other members, especially of the queer community who watch the show, who might not even ship that ship. Um because it was <laughs> it was this straight guy, straight cis guy being like, you know that ship that you uh that you know is not canon, but you really connect to because it speaks to your personal history, maybe as a as a queer woman who had a very close female friendship that inv- evolved into something else. You're ridiculous and I'm gonna mock you for seeing this in the show and you're wrong and I invite other people to also insult you and make fun of the fact that this is your lived reality. Um, and he did not understand that. It was, you know, like he apologized, Jordan apologized. Um, but it was one of those, like, I'm sorry if you got offended. Right. Apologies. And then he's like, it was just a joke. It was not meant to be taken seriously. One of those kind of things that it's really easy to say when you're part of the privileged class, you know, and it's right. And, and the fact that, for me, I, I was right there with those fans. I mean, if 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 the dynamic we'd seen all season between Kara and Lena was with Kara and Wynn, he would not have made fun of those shippers. But because right. it's Kara and, and Lena, even though neither one of them have been explicitly, like, I have said that they identify as straight... We just know that they both have romantic in- love interests in the past and in the present. We don't know. They never said they don't like ladies. I think you could assume that maybe for Kara, but definitely not for Lena. Um, yeah. Anyways, so it was a, it, it was a kind of a, a bubble that <laughs> kind of like erupted around um, a cast not understanding uh, it, uh, the, the it's queer um, – and, and non-queer uh, fan base and a big part of of fan community, which is shipping and and what to do and what not to do. And with, that was juxtaposed against Winona Earp, which was ha- having its panel at just about the same time and being incredibly fan-friendly and, and welcoming and supportive of the LGBTQ community, as they always are over at Win- Winona Earp. So it, it was a, yeah, it was a thing. It was a thing. <laughs> Well, it sounds like a thing. It also sounds like Jeremy Jordan hasn't watched a finished episode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and seeing the fact that regardless of whether or not the show is endorsing that particular attention or if the actors are endorsing that particular attention, it's coming through anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's you can you can do a little song and dance about it, but the way that it's being edited, written, and the longing looks... 
and mm-hmm. the gestures of flowers. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just it also just goes to show that just because a show is very supportive of a particular community in the text that's on screen doesn't mean that the people who make the show, uh, certainly the, the cast versus the writers and the producers, right. um, understand what that means or are yeah. as aware. I mean, obviously, I, I'd like to say, obviously, Jeremy Jordan has this extensive musical theater background. I would assume he is is uh, you know has a positive relationship with the, with the queer community in general. But like again, that's the kind of thing that it's easy to make a joke about when you're from a position of never having to not see yourself represented on TV. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's just it's very weird and not 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 great, Bob. Not great. Sort of the best not way. Great. Not great, Bob. Um, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sad. No one just kind of threw him off the boat. Yeah. Well, I, I was enjoying seeing some gifts get passed around that were like Kyler comes back to set, and, and it's just him getting slapped upside the head from that one one of the episodes last season. Uh, oh, that would yeah. be nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyways, um, so that's what that that kerfuffle that's was. That was. I, I feel like that's diminishing for me to describe it. That that's what that um. That's what the some of the discussion around Supergirl was, at least on my feed. And nobody was talking in a positive way about the actual panel, <laughs> in my feed at least. Um, and so it was sort of an entertaining juxtaposition. Um, I did not mind having missed the Supergirl panel after all of that. But we'll talk more about that when we get to the actual um, Comic-Con wrap-up. We should get into our week in TV, though. Do you, Any thoughts on, I know this is not your favorite show, but any thoughts on the anniversary of Mad Men that just happened this week? Oh, God. If I read another goddamn think piece about Mad Men, it'll be too soon. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't have any opinions about Mad Men um, whatsoever, apart from the fact that I'm mostly glad i stopped watching after the fourth season i was enjoying seeing the quotes get traded and the different retrospects i didn't actually read most of them but i I, it was a nice kind of a oh it's it's one of those it's that anniversary very nice yeah i think there is one headline for it that i just got really really like affronted by it was Mm -hmm. like one of those really terrible ahistorical television golden age things yeah and I, I, I just kind of just wanted to walk away. And I think I did walk away. And I was just like, I'm not reading anymore. I'm not, I'm not paying attention <laughs> to this anymore. Good call. I'm going to go and watch an old movie instead. Yay. Much better. <laughs> Much better decision. Um, and that's sort of where I'm at with all the TCAs, because TCAs are happening once again. But I haven't been seeing too much TCA stuff in my feed, and I'm happy for that, because I don't Yeah, it. well, it's, all the, it's a lot of the cable channels right now. Um, so, like... I think the broadcasters and some of the larger cable planner cable or yeah, uh, start um, like in the next few days. But yeah, it's also, yeah. Yeah. So there's not a lot of good news yet. So, yep. And we're just staying in the bubble of TV because there's lots of not good news in the rest of the world. Let's Ugh. just leave that to the side yeah. this time. Shall we? Yeah. Let's talk about comedy and reality, please. Let's, let's do that. So we'll take a break, listen to some music, and come back with our week in comedy and reality. (laughs) 
Brushed my hair, went downstairs. Favorite jeans on my rear. And I looked up in my mirror. And I said, who's that there? Who's that there? In that mirror. I don't care and they're aware. Now I see just why they stare. I just pay them, I don't care. I know. So what I got an attitude. Check out an attitude. So what I got an attitude. Check out a, I don't sleep, I don't snore. Too much money out that door. On my way to go to work. Bills to pay, so hit that dirt. Change up plans. The juvenile came on. This week in comedy and reality, we're going to talk a bit about the premiere, uh, season two premiere of Insecure, Hella Great, as well as season two premiere of People of Earth, New Beginnings. Then we'll move over to I'm Sorry, Goddess Party. <laughs> yeah, you can't not. You can't say that with a straight face. Um, and then we'll round things out with The Gift of Maggie. Is it The Gift of Maggie or The Gift of the Maggie? I think it's Gift of Maggie. Gift of Maggie. Okay. Um, and that was a that was a fun one. Okay. Let's go to Insecure. Um, this is one. Now, remind me, you didn't have HBO before. Did you watch season one of Insecure? I watched like three or four episodes on the screener site um, for HBO. And then I trailed off watching it. Not because I didn't like it. It's just I had to remember to go to the screener site to watch it. And I kept forgetting to do that. So I actually have not caught up okay. on anything. So I just decided, I just went, well, they'll be a previously on, and I'll be okay, mm-hmm. and I can just dive in. And I feel like I was very successful in terms of, like, most of the dynamics of things that were happening were covered in the previously on. And I felt like I just kind of went, oh, well, I'm on steady ground here because I know basically all these dynamics right now. So I'm good. I'm set. I feel okay with this. Yeah, the, the previously on was was extensive and also very effective i thought so yeah 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 so it was just like okay so they've broken up he's got a new he's seeing someone else and then there's stuff at work that's not panning out and law firm stuff i feel like i'm this was all the stuff that i was already kind of familiar with so i'm okay i'm okay okay and what did you do the <laughs> premiere did it grab you more this time in season two than it did in season one well no i was still grabbed by season one i just I, I I just got lazy. Okay, so, but <laughs> um, what I'm hearing then is no, it, it's about the same. Yeah, no, it's totally about the same, and I'm really glad that like it's back and that now I can like just set my DVR to record it, <laughs> and I can it'll be there waiting for me as opposed to me having to seek it out is really what's necessary here. Mm. So no, I, I really enjoyed um, everything with Issa and Molly, um, particularly like their discussion uh, while they were power walking and jogging about therapy um, was really good. I thought, and um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed like a lot of the a lot of the stuff that like it felt like a regrounding of the show's premise in a lot of ways, and which I thought was effective. And I really appreciated having that again, as someone who just kind of went, Oh, well watched like half the first season basically. And just went, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to it eventually. And so I, I just immediately felt really comfortable and really happy to be back in this world. Happy to see, um, Issa doing, uh, the stuff in the mirror, um, and talking to the camera perspective and everything. So all of those like rhythms of the show like came back to me really, really quickly. So I was really happy to come back to this. Uh, how did you feel about it as someone who I'm assuming watched all of season one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I did. I, I thought it was terrific. I really liked this premiere. I thought it was again, very much immediately, like, just immediately in the tone, very much in keeping with that first season. Um, it had like the standout sequence from the, pilot was her in the mirror the standout sequence from this premiere was her on the dates as far as i'm concerned dates, um, right, yeah. and i thought yeah I thought, 
Yeah, I thought that, that it worked. Um, I like what they give Molly here. I like the idea of her taking this big step to go to therapy and then not doing anything um, in therapy, um, which felt very in keeping with that character from last season. And, and the conflict that they're giving her at work and what that may or may not lead to, I like that they don't immediately have it point towards she's going to get a raise, you know, or her dissatisfaction at her job leading her to make bigger changes. I like that it's just sort of like part of her reality right now and we'll see if they go mm-hmm. anywhere with it or they don't. Um, I liked um, Lawrence's friend calling him out <laughs> on the dynamic he's established with um, the woman from the end of last season and how that's messed up. I will say the very end, I just assumed that was another fantasy sequence um, mm-hmm. a la the beginning um, and I'm sort of at a loss you know, I'm not sure what I think about it yet, um, other than I think that Issa's smile at the end is probably not the right response. <laughs> that does not mean to him what it means to her. Um, so we'll see what's ha- going to happen next. But I thought it was a confident return, and I'm very glad to have this whole cast and these these characters back in my TV viewing. Yeah, I, I don't think that was a fantasy, Kate. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, I just kept waiting for it to cut to him gone, you know? Oh, Okay. You know, when he, when he just, like, grabs her and, and they're, they're, like, making out at, at the start of the scene. I just kept waiting for it to cut, heart smash cut to him closing the door or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And then that didn't happen. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. No, that happened instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you in so far as that uh, the smile is not the correct reaction for that. Mm-hmm. And it's just going it's just going to get worse now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that we got all the friends circle of friends. I like that we meet Issa's I think this is the first time, unless I'm forgetting something, um, meeting Issa's brother. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the season brings. Um, what about the premiere of People of Earth, New Beginnings? So you were really keen on this episode, and I thought it was okay. I enjoyed Eric a great deal that mm-hmm. the boss is just a floating camera um cube camera so i enjoyed that and eric's whole um hr approved sort of corporate team building approach to things um i enjoyed but i understand that we had to like get the band back together and but it just it felt like a lock to get the band back together for me <laughs> um and so i never really felt to all that engaged by the episode and that was really frustrating because this was like my favorite tbs show that had um come out last year and their big like relaunch of their uh image and i just went well it'll be better once everyone's back and that's what i'm telling myself is that Mm -hmm. now that the group's back together and now that we've got um like some new new dynamics play with the aliens and we've got an fbi agent um, so, um, I'm excited that Nassim Pedrad's character, Alex Foster, is already like, hi, H. John Benjamin, guy working with the aliens. <laughs> um, it would be kind of weird if you didn't let me in the house. Um, so, and I, I like Pedrad a lot, so I'm looking forward to the dynamics that she brings to this whole, uh, group. But yeah, I just kind of went, uh, I'm ready for everyone to be together and to have, like, weird kooky discussions mm-hmm. and i didn't really get that too much in this premiere so but you liked this based on what you told me so tell me about why you liked it well first of all i thought the first scene was 
up at the level of the of the pilot and like the premiere the season mm-hmm. one premiere and the, like that first stretch that I saw um, that that really got me connected to the show very quickly. Um, and then the rest of the episode was nowhere near as funny, which was disappointing. So this, I don't think this was uh, anywhere near as good as the show can be. Um, but I just really enjoy, again, these character dynamics and like, I, <laughs> I always will enjoy time with Jeff. Um, and, <laughs> I, I think, you know, like you're saying, Nassim Pedrad is a good addition. I like the way that I like the, like the the very brief sojourn to visit family and was Iceland, right? Greenland, Iceland. Yeah. 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 Um, and that how quickly that, that turns around. Do you think that's your mom? <laughs> yeah yeah um so I, I you know the different elements you're very you're, you're right it's very much like getting the band back together thing uh i was surprised when it was only four days later but i thought that was a good like thing. yeah that was a good choice yeah. yeah um and we'll see what happens now that they are are back but again it was less about like i had a really positive reaction to it but it's sort of like what you're saying more anticipation of what i think the rest of the season will bring and just being yeah back in this sphere with these characters yeah and i think that's what i'm excited for is uh, getting back with this group and these characters and reestablishing like a rapport with them and with the show so i'm, I'm really excited about that yeah. um just like the premiere just didn't grab me as much as i was i i think i also had just overhyped it in my mind in a lot of ways and that's partially my fault <laughs> i'm sure well uh, maybe but i was also like i said like this was like my favorite tbs show of their big like rebrand launch and i just went oh i can't wait can't wait can't wait can't wait mm-hmm. oh listen this is this this wasn't what i was hoping for yeah. so episode two episode two <laughs> next week fingers crossed uh well i caught up with i'm sorry and okay it okay last week when we were talking you when we were you were talking about it um i did not hear miss shelly i heard miss shelly and i was very uh-huh. i was like who miss shelly that's two names. That's not, that's, which I'm sure there are people actually named Michelle, but like it was messing with my brain. Um, so knowing oh, that I'm so sorry, Shelly, I'm this kind of neurotic person that, you know, cares about that kind of thing. Uh, I, I did very much enjoy that episode. Um, like you had said, and you're absolutely right. I, I concur on the, the focus that it gave Manzukis. And I think it's a very safe assumption that if someone teaches small children, I feel like you can assume that probably they want kids you know like i don't i feel like she wasn't super off base with that um this episode goddess party um i thought was also really fun and um my only real quibble with it is is how do you bring on allison tolman and then give her nothing nothing noel come on it's really sad i just have to assume that this was squeezed in while she was filming like downward dog or something yeah and this was like all the time that they had were two scenes in which she doesn't do anything Mm -hmm. and just stares at andrea savage um face and it's just like but but you you got her and she's so lovely and funny and good and you you didn't do anything with this and that's that's really frustrating guys um so yeah i was i was frustrated with that though i also like sort of chuckled um when they're just like rose quartz is a really good healing crystal that's not how you pronounce lapis lazuli come on yeah yeah no i was also like that's not what lapis lazuli is for <laughs> <laughs> you start singing so, in your lapis lazuli yeah and I did actually start singing in my <laughs> <laughs> nice great minds, Noel. Great yeah, minds. yeah. So I was just like, as soon as 
as soon as as soon as the saleswoman said rose quartz, I wonder. I was just like, how many more crystal gems are they going to name? And it was like three or four. It felt like so. Yeah. I, I felt really, I felt really good about my life choices in that moment. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the goddess party stuff I thought was kind of okay. What I really enjoyed about um, this episode, though, was I don't really like the sound of music that much, and so I really enjoyed the fact that her daughter was afraid of the sound of music because of the Nazis, and then like the Harry Potter parallels. And so I was just like, I really loved the discussion around why did we let our five year old watch a movie with Nazis in it? <laughs> and I also I think the like the capper for it was. I don't really, I'm not really prepared for our five-year-old daughter to be a Holocaust denier. (laughs) (laughs) I just went, that's so good. This is, this is very, this is much better than the vague social commentary surrounding this goddess party thing Mm. that's happening here. This is much sharper and funnier and feels a lot more grounded in an actual thing that happened probably, or at least it feels that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked how, uh, I like the turn that the goddess party takes, where she's like, yeah, it's uh-huh. corny and cheesy, but it's actually really lovely. It comes from a lovely place, and you don't need to spend $15 per stone to do this, but, you know, like, I, I like that, that that ended up being um, a more positive experience by the end of the goddess party. But yeah, no, the, the, it was a nice sort of continuation of Racist Daughter, um, which mm-hmm. I still think is their sharpest episode. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the um, <laughs> just the conversations that they're having around the Nazis. First of all, I never forget that the Nazis are a big part of Sound of Music, because how could you, because of Rolf? Um, also, the Sound of Music is lovely. I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, no, if... I, I'm I'm very much alone on that boat. I understand. Oh no, you're not. I know <laughs> several people um, who, over the various you know conversations around musical theater I've had, who are just like, if you're running from the Nazis, you don't have time to sing a slow power ballad. You know, this is very accurate. Yeah, I, I would say just there's a it's a long road. You know, you're walking a lot. <laughs> you know, maybe you don't want to start an avalanche, but I could see why you'd be you know singing to pass some time um but but no i i really enjoyed that and the whole conversation around um rolling and damn you rolling ah, <laughs> never mind i take it back i love those books <laughs> which i think is sort of how all of us have felt at one point or another mm-hmm. um so yeah it was fun it was a, it was a, it was a fun episode yeah it was and the rolling stuff rolling rolling rolling, rolling like rolling. bowling rolling rolling yes rolling okay so the rolling stuff they said uh, rolling no. though Okay, I, I I noticed that every time because of the Harry Potter you've podcast I used this. to lose, I used to listen to. It's rolling like bowling. You you've ruined this for me because I've said rolling for like ever. Okay, yeah, a little part ah. of my Potterhead Potterhead heart just dies whenever anyone says rolling, and I always want to yell rolling like bowling. See, now I'm just going to keep saying rolling to you throughout ah, the rest no! of the podcast. No, you, sir. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we need to no. move on. <laughs> <laughs> younger the gift of the maggie like as soon as we'd seen that painting from from maggie like so prominently over the Mm -hmm. course of this season and she gave it to montana's like well that she's got an art show coming up you say she's definitely passing off maggie's art as her own i did not anticipate the uh, appropriation um but i still really enjoyed this episode if only because they actually gave Debbie Mazar, something to do and watching her slash was just so satisfying. I always love when they actually give Maggie things to do besides just stand around, hold tea and, you know, crack wise. Is that Um, all she does on this show for the most part, though? Yeah, that is mostly all she does. So every now and again, she gets something else. And I'm like, yes. Uh, What did you think about this? I think I probably like this one more than you did. 
No, I enjoyed this. Um, like, I mean, the lampooning of the whole like art scene and her philosophy around the reappropriation was just really gross and terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciated that like they made sure to have like the vulture um like discussion about um Maggie like surface and be like maybe she still has some stuff that we need to like see and mm-hmm. learn and appreciate from. So I, I really enjoyed all of that. Um, um, and I guess, like, before we get to, like, my one thing that I really need to discuss after having only watched five episodes is how did you feel about the sort of detente that's formed between Liza and, is it Josh? It's Josh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, how how are, we, how are you feeling about that? Is this, like is this too soon or is this the show needs to move on in the same way that it was with um, Kelsey or like, how, how are you feeling about that as someone who has a lot more frame of reference for the Josh stuff than I do? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's way too quick. It's way too soon. I think this is a good way. I, I like this episode and even I think the placement of this episode works, but the ending, no. He needed Uh to say that it was still too soon, but he thinks maybe they can get there at some point and then spend the rest of the season just hanging out with Kelsey and and doing stuff with her. And then by the end of the season, they can get to a place where they're where they're cooler. But he was going to he was proposing to her. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. So, like, that is... It's way too fresh. And, like... And, and I think there's a little bit in the performance of... Sure, it's easy for you to ask that of me because you're the one who did the dumping by proxy. Right. <laughs> by, by cheating. Um, but I think... I think the show wants us to think that Liza's right when she says, I think... Yeah, I think you started to forgive. Like, and that's a problem for, for me if you're going to try to be somewhat respectful of these characters and actually buy into the the emotional journeys they're on so yeah way too soon okay yeah because i didn't really have like an opinion on that and so i was just like well i wonder how kate's gonna feel about this was (laughs) my immediate thought because i just kind of went i don't really know who josh is based on like the five these five episodes and um so i was just like i don't i don't understand what this is really so I was just like, oh, whatever, I don't care. What I do care about, though, is that after only five episodes, and this is in our rundown notes, is like, I don't understand why Liza and Charles are grinning at each other and not having sex all of the time on his desk. <laughs> because it's driving me up the wall that they're not having sex on his desk, like, literally all of the time. It's just... It's really frustrating, Kate. And it's just like, they just grin at each other, like, really stupidly throughout this entire episode in particular. And it's just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, just just bone already, for the love of god. And um, that's that's kind of where I was with that. I was just like, after five episodes, I'm just like, oh, please, just have sex already. This is killing me. It's, a, it's an end-of-season development that we're going to yeah. see come back in a certain way. I wouldn't be surprised if that came back around the same time her... Uh, yes, I'm interested in a job somewhere else comes back. Um, mm-hmm. So that the idea of like, well, if you took this job over here, you could get with the hottie at the office because he'd no longer be your boss. Um, I don't know what that old timey voice is for, but in my head, I, I was about to say, where did that where where did this where where did that old timey 1940s newscaster voice suddenly come from? I don't know. It feels like the kind of thing Liza would do though. Um, go into that voice, uh, but like that's because you know they're the 
they're the OTP. I think they're the long term forever couple for the end of the show. Okay. Um, at least that's my read of it, um, and has been since about midway through season one. Um, and uh, they it adds too many complications to the show, and but specifically to who the characters are, like the kind of mm-hmm. person Charles is. He would never get involved with someone at work. Okay. So that's why they're not doing anything. And, and neither would Liza, certainly not with her right. boss. So that's the problem. That's the issue where they're at right now. Now, if she ends up at another company for a, part, for a stretch of time or something, then absolutely I can see that happening. But I also think the uh, how old are you, I'm 26, is easier when you are clothed, <laughs> even if you are Sutton Foster. So, like, you know, I think there's that's an issue as well. Sure. I mean, I have the exact same body I had when I was 15. There you go. No, I don't. Um, (laughs) Maybe. Kind of. A little bit. I haven't really grown a lot, Kate, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Kind of stunted. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I understand all of that, and I hear what you're saying. What I'm also saying is that they're just grinning at each other way too much. and That needs to stop, or they need to, to like, comment on it, or... Yeah. 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 I need something else from that. Um, yeah, so, no, so I, 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 I liked it, but it's just, I'm really impressed by how, like, five episodes in, I'm just like, oh, my God, I cannot deal with this anymore. Can't deal In, with like, a shit. good way. <laughs> yeah, in a good way, I can't deal with this anymore. And just having them sort of, like, have a whole discussion about hap- happily ever afters around, like, the book uh, continuing on the romance uh, novel writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just went, oh, gosh, come on, come on. Just let let's have like a let's have a different kind of happy ending show and just we'll get there anyway. <laughs> okay, well, what wins your week in in comedy and reality? No, um, let's say comedy and reality. We didn't talk about bake show baking show. No, but... we didn't. It was on there, but it wasn't going to win. So, um, I'll give it to younger this week. I guess. Um, Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Anticipate, I was like, I feel like I should say insecure, but I actually I think had more fun watching younger. Yeah. yeah. So you know. Yeah, I had more fun with younger as well, so that's why I picked it, and also just my clearly visceral reaction to this. Yeah. So <laughs> they can feel free to revoke my prestigious critic card, you know. But like, it was just fun and watching, you know, Maggie slice up the painting and like as Amy. Amy tries to lecture her about cultural appropriation and if you'd gone to art school. They did a really f- fantastic pivot with her, just enough. I told when we see her her mom and she calls her mom by her first name and the mom's got the tattoos on the thing and they've got stupid amounts of money and everything. I was like, "Yep. You guys totally set this up appropriately. I absolutely buy it. Well executed. I love to hate her now." <laughs> I haven't I haven't been Amy for a year. A year. That's it. Just a year. Yeah. And it's just like, oh wow, this is this is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Well now we'll take a break and come back with our week in genre and drama.
this weekend in genre and drama, Noel is going to talk a bit about, oh, actually, so why, about Midnight Texas, which had its premiere. I've seen most of the premiere. Um, and then Noel's going to fill us in with Somewhere Between, which I don't even know what this is, so I'm going to need some help <laughs> on that one, Noel. Uh, we'll talk Adventure Time, Three Buckets, and then I'll catch up a bit with Twin Peaks, The Return Part 11, and Game of Thrones before Noel talks Cla- uh, Claws, Escape, and we both wind up the week with uh, Winona Earp, Everybody Knows, and The Bold Type, If You Can't Do It With Feeling. So first up is Midnight Texas. And if you, like, listed stuff that this show has, it's stuff that I like. Yep, it's it def- is. I, I I had that thought while I was watching it. I was just like, this is a bunch of stuff that Kate likes. It is. And you got Peter Mensa playing a vampire. He should, Peter Mensa should be, like, always on stuff. He's wonderful. But it just made me go, like... I need to rewatch Miss Spartacus, man, because they are wasting you. Um, this is not a good show. Um, and I think this, this is one of the first times when I've seen the discussions around peak TV and everybody casting pilot season at the same time means we have a hard time getting the right cast in the right roles. This is like the first time that I've actually seen a show and go, you know what? I think maybe this would work better with a different lead. Maybe casting actually is the issue here. I think it's also a problem of writing. It's not very well written. But, like, there, there are pieces here that that should be able to glom together into a more successful pilot. But I just didn't care at any point about any of these people, even though they have so many wheelhouse elements of, like, genre fiction. And, and the, there's, there's – he's a um, – He's a psychic, but he's for real, but he's also a bit of a scam artist. And there's a vampire, and there's a guardian angel, and there's, like, all these uh, mishmash of people in this small, middle-of-nowhere town. Like, I've watched this show so many times. I should at least be (laughs) along for the ride, but I'm not at all. Yeah. I I think this is is kind of a weird misfire in a lot of ways, because you, you, A, have what's probably fairly pulpy source material from uh, Charlene Harris um, who wrote the True Blood yeah. uh, books. And this is a different series of books um, that, that they're adapting for this. And, but I mean, like you said, you've got a psychic, you've got a witch, you've got a hit woman, you've got an angel, you've got a were tiger. <laughs> yes. There's a were tiger in the second episode, everyone. Um, and, and I'm just going to tell you to like to tell you how much of in this wheelhouse this is for you, mm-hmm. Kate. Is that in the second episode the vampire and the were tiger fight? <laughs> of course, they and do. please keep in mind that like as a were tiger, it's just a tiger. Uh-huh. Um, but still, a tiger and a vampire fight in the second episode of the show. So in a lot of ways, Midnight Texas sort of feels like we're gonna do we're gonna try to do zoo. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do it with crazy, kooky, paranormal types in Texas, filmed in New Mexico. Um, and But all of it's really flat. Um, from, like, the uh, lead, uh, who's um, Francois, um, Francois um, Arnaud, um, is just, like, super, super flat type of casting from, like, the mid-aughts for this show, as opposed to today, to your point about, like, TV and pilot casting when all this happens uh, is sort of like example number one. But there's also just not a lot of energy to the proceedings here. And that's really sort of frustrating. And all the like little hints of community that come through, especially towards the end, 
when they're um, uh, escort when they've arrested uh, Bobo, uh, played by Dylan Bruce, um, for murdering his fiance. I want to say it's fiance. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm like eighty percent sure it's fiance. Um. Is like there. There's a real. There's elements of a really good show here, but this is not the version of those elements that works. Um. Even like from an aesthetics level, this is just a remarkably flat show like you texted me that you thought this was filmed in canada <laughs> and i just went nope new mexico <laughs> <laughs> well and that comment was based on some of the casting because these are actors i've seen in a bunch of things that were all filmed in toronto um and, right. and different and maybe vancouver but um yeah you know what zoo has that this show doesn't have it has james wolk <laughs> It does have James Wolk. And um, that makes a huge difference. Like, I'm sorry, uh, who has ever looked at Dylan Bruce and got, and you know, you know what he looks like? He looks like a character named Bobo. No. You know who looks like a character named Bobo? The guy they cast on Winona Earp to play Bobo. Dylan Bruce has, like a Bobo. has yeah. never in his life, he's like, he's, he's, he's a, a, a Michael or a, or a Jeremy, or a Scott, or a Chad, if you want to get douchey with it. He's not a Bobo. <laughs> but he's super honest. Okay. Um, yeah. But like, no, just so like, it's come just like, on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all like really, it's all very flat from acting to writing from aesthetics. So it's not the worst premiere I watched this week, but it's certainly like sort of the weirdly most disappointing as something that I was hoping was going to be kind of weird and delightful and ended up just being really bland. Mm -hmm. um, and based on like the second episode, that continues despite the fact that a vampire wrestles a tiger. See, but when you say <laughs> that, that isn't even exciting to me because when you say yeah. a, a, a were-tiger and a vampire fight, and the were tiger is a tiger at the time. I go, okay, but a tiger, like a vampire, wouldn't fight a were tiger. Like that, like what kind of vampire is actually fighting with it? Like that's if you're gonna just play with with genre tropes and and character types to the extent that this is trying to do. That's not what van that's not how they roll. That's not what they don't put up extra energy. But they don't like. It doesn't matter if you're not going to make a specific character, which they have not spent any energy doing in this in this premiere. Then you don't get to like have that sound awesome. It just sounds confusing and why to me. So yeah, um, and I should stress because I've been kind of harsh on the cast for this. I have seen many of these cast members in other things and really enjoyed them. Like the actress yeah. who plays the assassin, she was terrific on Vampire Diaries. And obviously Peter Mensu plays a vampire, wonderful on Spartacus. And I really enjoyed Dylan Bruce by the end of his run on Orphan Black. So like, you know, like there's, it's not necessarily these actors are the problem. It's in these roles used in this way yeah. does not work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly where it is. It's like, it just doesn't work. And it's, it's sort of hard to feel connected to any of that when it doesn't work. It's just like, oh, your house is like super duper haunted. Eh, okay. Okay, you, you should probably move. Yeah, you should just stay in the Airstream. I don't understand why you're running a house, to be honest with you. Yeah. Just stay in the Airstream that you have, but okay. All right. Well, should I then assume that the worst premiere you saw this week was somewhere between? Yes, yes. The worst premiere I saw was somewhere between. Um, so this is what, an what ABC is show... It's an ABC drama in which nobody knew that this was airing. Like, I had more of a sense that... Like, just from, like, living and existing that Midnight Texas was something that was premiering. 
It had a big I push at Comic Con. Right, it had like a big push at Comic Con, and I like I watch Hollywood Game Night mm-hmm. and um, Carmichael's show, both of which are NBC, and they were really pushing um, whatchamacallit. They had been really pushing um, Midnight Texas and promos during commercials that I was fast forwarding through or not remembering to fast forward through, as sometimes <laughs> the case is. Um, but I still am, have been keeping up with, um, whatchamacallit, Battle of the Network stars, and I don't really think I've seen a single ad for somewhere between during Battle of the Network stars, and I typically watch that, like, in the background while I'm, like, working, so I don't fast forward through the commercials, so I'm pretty sure I haven't seen a single promo for this in, like, five weeks. Okay, but what is um, it? <laughs> right, so here's what it is, is it's a adaptation of a Korean television show, called God's Gift 14 Days. Um, And it's about a a news producer whose daughter uh, is killed. And through a series of abbreviated plot beats, she decides to kill herself. Except in the resulting of her killing herself, she ends up time traveling back to the day in which her daughter is abducted slash killed. And it has to, like, save her daughter. And the premiere is just really bad, Kate. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, This premise doesn't make a lot of sense. So, like, and there's just a weird mishmash of tones. And, like, there's really bad drama, uh, family drama between uh, Laura, who's played by Paul Patton, who's the main character. Her, um, um, like, ADA state's district attorney husband. And their little girl who ends up being killed, and she's like the worst possible little girl. Like you're kind of actively rooting for her to die because she's just terrible. Um, Is this like Leo Smash levels? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's it's bad. It's bad. She's just super bratty, and you're just like, well, kind of want you to die, kid. Um, but then there's also a cop that's a criminal or a private investigator. I'm not entirely sure. And they're kind of kooky with his like criminal girlfriend just bouncing around and doing stuff. And even the musical cues for them kind of imply, well, we kind of had this other idea for this other show, but we just kind of merged these two things together and it doesn't make any sense. So there's like tonal whiplash across the show and to like, it's half an hour until we get to her, like the daughter's abduction and eventual death. And the show really races in like the last 10 minutes to get to the time travel aspect so that they can have their progress. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, you spend an hour doing a bunch of things that I'm assuming you put in place so that you can, she can navigate time travel doing for it. And including, and I cannot believe I'm going to say this, Kate, but getting a flat tire and then going into an herbalist store to make an emergency phone call and the herbalist takes a Polaroid camera of her and her daughter so that she has evidence of her daughter disappearing in an alternate timeline. But then the herbalist is also some sort of soothsayer prophet and delivers this really scary prophecy to her that drives them out. See, this is why wow. I don't understand anything that's happening wow. on this show, Kate. Like, there's a really angry, urgent prophecy that this random stranger just yells at her. And, well, after taking a Polaroid shot of them, and it's just like understand what this show is and i really sort of wanted to watch the second episode which aired they did a two-night premiere um to see what happened in the second night um but i just deleted it sight unwatched um because i just went i don't under also because carrie reisler over at um the 
TV club wasn't going to watch it. And we were watching the premiere at the same time, like just through happenstance. So I just went, Oh, well, if Carrie's going to watch it at the same time, then I can get through this. But (laughs) Carrie was just like, I'm not watching this. I'm not watching that second episode. I just went, Oh, well, I'm just going to delete this then. (laughs) Um, So yeah, no, if you were thinking maybe about somewhere between um, no, is my, my really long story short. No, do not watch this. Yeah, no, I was asking because I had a little extra time, not enough time to catch up on some of the other shows that I would rather catch up on, but enough time to fit in one more thing. I was like, should I watch Midnight Texas or somewhere between? You're like, well, you should take a nap. Um, And then if you really want to watch something, I guess Midnight Texas. Um, And thank you for that, because that sounds horrible. Um, That just sounds like no, just no, just like Lana on Archer levels of nope. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You're... You have to the, what you have to achieve to get a, a, a an audience on board with a main character who commits suicide in the first episode, like, and then the rest of the, then, then comes back to life or whatever. Like, that's not <laughs> if you're gonna be realistic at all, that doesn't work. No, and the stuff like the what's driving her to suicide is like. Her, she and her husband like get into like a lot, a fair amount of fights. She's obviously very distraught about her daughter's death, but we don't spend any time with that. Yeah. It's like one scene of fighting, and then she's like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like put some stones in my cardigan, and I'm gonna die." And it just went, but, but I don't understand. Yeah, we we glazed over a lot of emotional legwork <laughs> that needed to be done for this to be okay. Yeah, that's just like, it's just a non-starter on a pilot. I can't can't think of anything that's done that. Like, there are plenty of of shows where, like, someone has died and then come back, like, got hit by a bus or who knows what, you know, in the first episode. And then something happens, butterfly effect, and travel back in time, and I don't know. Right. Lots of shows have done stuff like that, but... That's very, very different than asking us to to go along with the character's emotional journey for like to to suicide and then back to life and then follow them. Like, there's not enough time to do that in an hour, I don't think. So, yeah, I will be skipping this one. Yeah, as well you should. As well you should. Thank you. Um, well, let's let's move over to Adventure Time and three buckets. And we talked about the rest of last week's like the week of Adventure Time. And the last episode, I hadn't seen uh, Three Buckets yet, though, so let's talk about this one. And and Fern, poor Fern, and, and of course, poor Finn, so messed up at the end. <laughs> the, 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 the week took a turn, man. <laughs> yes, it did, and as he realized that his uh, robotic arm maybe needs a little bit of work on the voice recognition. Uh, vo- <laughs> voice to armament yeah. <laughs> um, needs a little bit of work. Um, as the whole fatality thing. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, now it reminds me a little bit of Spider-Man's suit and homecoming, wanting to always do the instant kill version <laughs> of things. <laughs> um, so no. So like, um, how did you feel about this? And like, I felt really sad about Fern and I felt really sad about Finn. And I really liked how they showed Finn like going to Bimo and Jake and being kind of messed up about this a little bit. Oh, he's like, he looks broken. Like he's not just messed up. And I, that's something I always appreciate on the show is they, they layer these traumas so effectively. 
um, over time, over the, the course of the show, they, they give the character enough time to react and process and hopefully, you know, heal a bit between these things. And because the series is so, it, it can be so episodic and just go off and do an adventure with a completely different set of characters that, that lets us get some distance from Finn when he when he's dealing with, you know, like when, oh, hey, here's your dad. He just abandoned you and he's totally horrible. You know, like, and he did it again. Like, he's had a series of different uh, traumas over the course of the run. And they always do a really good job of handling it and letting him process and letting him be messed up for a while. And I anticipate nothing different here. I, I did think the, the way the episode ended was absolutely appropriate. And the performance, um, the animation of the that battle with fern as well as you know the the return the return home was was really affecting and the the tag at the end where like you know cthulhu little mini cthulhu monster thingy um is you know not is gonna be back um i i you know it makes sense he didn't actually kill a little cthulhu monster thingy but um it is certainly uh you know i don't i'm i feel bad for Finn, knowing that that facing that again is in his future. Yeah, and um, like there's a whole level of layers in that badness because I'm like, oh shit, that's Great Uncle Gumbold, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no, um, you this this feels all sorts of bad coming on the horizon right now is how I'm feeling about this, um, and uh, but yeah, it's it's. It, it, it was just, it was really intense. And I really liked the, one of the things I really like about Adventure Time and this episode really kind of drove it home. And I've mentioned this a couple of times is like, I'm in a um, Dungeons and Dragons campaign that's set in Ooh. And so we're like, we've done like a tour around some of like, Ooh, but like, it's just like one of the things I love about the show is like, here's this great feel that we've never shown you before. And it's super cool. And it really works for our setting because you're fighting a grass version of yourself in a field of grass. Mm-hmm. And there's this temple thing. And it's just like, this is all really, really good. And I really, really like all of this. And I like the thought that they put into it. And the fact that they can just trot out a whole new sort of like setting in this world and us just go, yeah, that makes sense. I'm okay with that. That is a thing that exists here that has never been discussed before in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and I don't care because like this world's so fantastical that you can do that. And so I really, I it was just a really good episode and just really affecting. And I I need more now, like immediately, please and thank you, so I can find out that Finn's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Well, and I just was recalling. Fern is the Finn sword. Yes. So it's he he not not just Fern, but like Finn from inside the the that he created and trapped inside his own sword. And like, oh god, it's just it's it's so I, yes. I love how this is a show that if you had never seen any of the backstory, you could have just like watched this week and, and I think you like if you were willing to go, I don't get it okay, just go with it. I think it would make sense and you could still really enjoy it. But if you're processing all the layers of mythology of it, it just gets more messed up. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so messed up because it's the Finn sword and the grass sword. And now it's it's Fern. But the Finn sword was Finn because of the stuff that we did with with Prismo and with the dimensions. And and the dimensions and the time travel things and the sleeper. 
and but we only did that because we needed to make wishes and the and oh god oh god it's all it's all so much <laughs> it's all collapsing it someone somewhere online has done a diagram and i thank them and i will hopefully go find it after we finish recording oh man well let's move on to our next show and that is twin peaks which um i feel like this is a good pivot because i had gotten behind on twin peaks Noel. i had seen the yeah. first seven and gotten behind on 8 through 11. What happens in episode 8, the very first episode that I was behind on, it's just, it's insane. It's just like more than half the episode, like two-thirds of the episode is in black and white and takes place in different time periods. And there's like a chunk of the episode is takes place sort of like within the the first nuclear test uh, in, in, uh, in New Mexico. And then the next chunk of time, like... It's insane. So, like, like the the I, lo- I love how this season was going along, fair like for David Lynch, very fairly standard, you know, like about what you would expect for for Twin Peaks, um, if you were anticipating Twin Pe- the the revival to be more about Lynch and Frost and less about like let's catch up with those wacky characters in that small town, you know, um, and then like the the week I get off of watching with everybody else is the week it goes insane. So I'm glad that I actually didn't go to the screening that they did at Comic-Con of the, this past week's episode because I would have been completely confused uh, by all the conversations. Um, I have no idea what that episode actually meant or was trying to say other than was terrifying and watching it like late at night was probably not the right decision. Um, there's this like woodsman guy covered in like coal dust or soot or something who crushes people's heads and then like says some incantation over the radio that lulls people to sleep, including this young girl. And then this like creak, like half bug, half frog thing, like crawls in to down her throat. And it's like really creepy. Um, I think it's a treatise on evil and into society i don't know i don't know it was just crazy um in a positive good david lynchian way but like super crazy and then we go back to more or less the standard (laughs) twin peaks for the last couple episodes um so yeah it's been like then with the these woodsman guys showing up more and diane it seems like she's uh no longer the trustworthy figure we all assumed maybe she was um so yeah I, I, again, I'm really enjoying it. Don't know how I feel about episode eight, but nine through 11, I'm back on, on board, um, cause it's more standard. And I just was very tickled that, that I was, I watched all the normal ish ones. <laughs> the second I stopped watching the show, it just goes insane and then comes, comes back in. Um, so we'll see what the rest of, of the season has coming there's 18 so we're now like this week coming week will be episode 12 um but yeah the 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 we, we the last thing we see is cooper eating cherry pie he has he has some damn good cherry pie um and so that was like our first like fla- like moment and second of like oh it's cooper he's there he's in there still he can maybe he'll come back you know um so yeah once again, it's really hard to talk about Twin Peaks on your own. <laughs> it's like that one episode was insane. Um, and I love that Lynch has this vet, like this opportunity to do whatever he wants. Um, 
uh, and the rest of the creative team is it's not just him, but you know the rest of the the team as well. And I look forward to what comes next. And who knows, maybe the next episode will be a treatise on good. Of course, it won't. This is David Lynch. But um, you know, I was about to say the only like overwhelmingly positive treatise on good that David Lynch has ever done is the straight story. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think of who like. Yeah, because there's like some of this, this notion of like Laura Palmer as like a beacon of good somehow, but I don't understand that how that. Yeah, I don't understand how that matches up. But sure. yeah, exactly right. I feel like there's must be more coming with that then, or something. I don't know, but um, but hey, that singer sure had a pretty awesome dress she was wearing. One of the performers at the Double R uh, was wearing a white dress with black um, zigzags. That looks like mm-hmm. the floor of the of the of the lodge, um, and she was right by a red curtain too. So it was, I was like, "Yay, costume!" Um, okay, that's all I got for Twin Peaks. I sound like an idiot. I'm going to move on to Game of Thrones, and I'll keep this very brief. I loved the, you know, of course they. The, I was so anticipating Nymeria. What we got with her was awesome, but I'm very sad that she's just like. It seems like that's it. It's just like one moment, and then I'm guessing that pivots. Arya's decision but um I, it's like come on years and years of build up and that's it that's all we're like Nymeria better come back again in, in like some climactic battle or something is all I have to say um as for the rest I don't buy for a second Euron taking out two of the sand snakes and that's my book bias talking I'm sure because they are way more <laughs> badass in the book than they are in the show kind of useless on the show but um yeah, I, I was very disappointed that we got all these badass ladies, and then once again, what do they do? They make it a, about they make it about Theon again. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. Um, but I guess I shouldn't be that surprised at this point. Um, and that's sort of all I got. Like, I really liked seeing Hot Pie again. That's that was really terrific. Apparently, the actor who plays Hot Pie, who is the baker. Like, the, the normal, like, friend of Arya from season one guy who we haven't seen since then. Um, who, like, left the show. Like, the, the character was, like, left behind at a tavern because he's not made for the wall kind of a thing. Um, the actual actor was opened up, <laughs> you know nothing, John Doe, and was selling huh. direwolf ah. bread. Like, little, like, cookie things. Um, which I found about this week was just warmed, warmed my heart. Um so yes, very glad to see him come back. The stuff we got with Jorah and like the just the makeup for that was insane and super gross. He has grayscale all over his body, and so Sam, uh, once he finds out who he is and that, you know, this is Jorah who is the son of his of you know this man he truly respected at the wall is like I'm gonna cure you with this really dangerous thing that could easily infect me, but I'm gonna peel off the layer of the skin and it's just like oozing and it was really nasty which was a very appropriate so uh, kudos to the makeup department the stuff at the wall with sansa and john um okay how are you feeling about like their management style because i that's like the main tweets that i see yeah is like them their dysfunction as like managers um and like mm-hmm. co-leaders is like really bizarre the other thing i see is why should we keep rooting for Arya? and i just go because it's Arya. but um badass? Yeah, no, so how are you feeling like how John and um, Sansa are like leading, basically? Well, I think the issue that we're running into is that, at least that I'm running into, is that 
Sansa's advice is terrific. It's really great if you didn't have an army of the dead coming from the north that trumps everything else that she can't possibly <laughs> appreciate because she hasn't seen it and she doesn't know. You know, like, that's the kind of thing and when John says that in this episode, okay, I hear what y'all are saying, but you don't understand there's an army of the dead and none of you have seen it. And if you had seen it, you would tell me to stop talking and get my ass down to Dragonstone and get the dragon glass and doesn't matter what you need to tell Daenerys to make that happen. You know, like, so so that's the, tr- the trouble where we're at because, San- like, you want to be supportive and rooting for Sansa because everything she's saying is really smart and makes a lot of sense and it would normally be great advice and you could be super on her side and they're trying to like be very balanced and with it but she just doesn't know stuff that we know and it's not her fault and it yeah. gets, but it gets really frustrating because <laughs> she's like but you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that and you're being a terrible leader it's like no actually he's being the best but you can't know that he's being the best and they should be writing you better than this okay that's sort of where I'm at. All right. I also appreciate. I, I have John nothing to follow up with that. But threatening so. <laughs> Littlefinger. That was delightful. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, let's move on to Claws because I'm still behind. This is one of those ones where I didn't have enough time to catch up. So instead, I watched Midnight Texas. Um, uh, what happened on Escape? Should I assume that you know everybody's favorite captive escaped in this episode? He did indeed escape. Roller escaped only to be abducted by the Russians. Um, yeah no they're just gonna keep dragging that out um yeah so this is again sort of like what we were talking about a little bit with uh batshit is like transitioning to like end of season sort of stuff even to the point where polly has is taking care of a teenage neighbor now because yeah okay yeah sure i mean the mom's incarcerated and so polly's looking after her but i kind of went all right this is this is a little late to be Putting in cousin, yeah, cousin is it character. A 10 episode season or thirteen yeah. or, I think it's ten. Okay, um, but it's, I'm just like this is a little late for this guys, um, so I was just like okay, let's 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 do that anyway. So yeah, um, but like the big things that come out here within this episode is that Desna gets out from running uh, the salon from with approval from Uncle Daddy and mm. gets um, um um toby to run it basically mm-hmm. so like that's covered um, oh the um not the salon the uh the dispensary well no no no, because bryce is running the dispensary but okay. they still want the they still want the salon intact oh okay for like to have like that as like cover for laundering okay um so they need that there so toby's going to handle that now um and so that's happening there's still like a lot of tension with um uh desna and bryce and Anne, um and like all this stuff around like the the bryce killing the two foster parents and like all that stuff is still swirling and circulating and desna and Anne are on very still not good terms but like the the big thing is that um is that uh um Gosh, what's Dean goes on a trip with Virginia. Oh, it's, okay. It's very exciting. He was chosen to be like a model at an art exhibit. Mm-hmm. The same art exhibit naturally that Roller and his captor were at, which is how we get confirmation that Roller is alive to the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that um Dean and Virginia had sex. 
and yeah okay okay i'm like it's just one of yeah sort of thing so yeah that's that's fun and dean is very firmly in that virginia's his girlfriend and virginia is very much like um yeah you're you're really sweet and all but and um implication also being you have a really big penis um <laughs> um but yeah so it's just like one of those things where it's just like oh this happened and now we're gonna deal with that fallout too i'm assuming again like the the show's many many balls in the air sort of thing mm-hmm. and when it's just like maybe just like take one of those balls and just put it in a box for a little while like um, roller <laughs> like roller and just maybe duct tape the box shut but yeah so rollers i think with the russians now like abducted and but they know that he's alive mm-hmm. um and yeah so all this stuff is like i'm assuming going to start hitting the fan but I, it was just kind of a lot of setup for what i'm hoping is like a mad dash to the end yeah and that we'll have a like a lot of energy going for in the last three episodes Okay, remind me why I should catch up with the show, because the descriptions of these last two episodes, and specifically everything about Roller, is making me not want to catch up with this show. Yeah, and I'm not sure I can give you, like, a super, super good reason to catch up with it. I mean, oh, like, no. I... Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed number two. I think Escape is just, like, sort of a weird kind of a dud episode. Um, <clears throat> because of, like, their decisions to have Roller alive, I think is, like, the one thing that's, like, weighing all of this down. It's just like, no, but it doesn't make any sense and it's not good. And it's that kind of thing where it's just like, I don't quite see what season two of the show, which it's getting, looks like right now without everyone dying. Clay, Roller, everyone dying, basically. is like, I don't understand what this show is unless Roller dies again, but in secret again. And I, I, I'm, like, struggling to figure out what season two is, basically. And once I have a better sense of season two, then maybe I can tell you to catch up on the remaining five episodes. But I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> well, I should be able to catch up for next week. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, let, let's move on to Winona Earp. Uh, this week we have Everybody Knows. And I have a question for you. How do you feel like they handled the question of the paternity of Winona's kid because for me I think I I was a little uncomfortable with the balance between the show's perspective and the character's perspective because I think they were trying to make all the the slut-shaming misogynistic messed up stuff very much the perspective of that one revenant but I feel, and, and like reflecting Winona's fears and her own judgment of herself, but I feel like they, they they validated it a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it was a little too, there wasn't enough pushback against that, maybe from like somebody like Waverly or, or Nicole, like uh, some another character who could like temper all this shame that Winona's putting on herself. I don't know. What do you think? So, yeah, I, I agree with you that there's not a lot of pushback. And I think that's why I ended up feeling a little weird during this episode is that there's not a lot of pushback on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, does, he, he gets dragged back to hell. But as a discourse, there's not a lot on it. And I think that their desire to sort of demonstrate Winona's own insecurities through this um, particular character 
from a really good actor yeah, that I've liked on other there. shows, and he's really good here as well. I apologize for not having his name at my fingertips, but I've liked him on other shows as well. So I was just like, oh, you're going to stick around for a while because I recognize you. <laughs> and then, no, you you did not. You died off screen. <laughs> um, uh, so, no, 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 no. So a lot of it is that... Oh, that there's just there's like you said there's just not enough pushback on it and it's really weird that there's not enough pushback on it because i really was hoping for there to be more as we were especially like when we're like at the end with waverly and it's just like what are we what are we doing here exactly like i couldn't quite figure out what we were supposed to grab out of all of this apart from like you said from a voice to her internal monologue without her having to say anything and open up because that's not who Winona is. But there's no, there's support like right at the, right at the very end where it's just like, there's an acknowledgement that this baby is ours Mm -hmm. and an ownership of that, which is really nice. And I really liked that moment. I liked how it was shot again. I can't get enough of the fact that the show just embraces it's winter in the wild, wild west sort of aesthetic but it just it it felt really soft compared to the amount of time that we spent on all of the rest of it. Yeah. And so that that was just really frustrating for me um which is probably why I found like a great deal of salvation in Nicole just getting really drunk. And <laughs> awesome. how just sheer ador- just the sheer amount of ador- adorableness that was. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Well, and I, it, it's the kind of thing that I could see them saving for the next episode when we see Winona and Doc interact, which hasn't happened yet since he found out that he might not be the dad. Because that's the kind of thing I could absolutely see like them starting to go the, the typical way in what we see here in his reaction. But then when he's actually talking to Winona, having it be a situation of like, yeah, I'm pissed off and I know that there's no purpose to that. Like we never made any promises to each other. I have no right to be acting this way, and you're totally just like I could see that that being what that dynamic is, and then wanting to give that save that that discussion for when the two of them are together. But I don't, if that even if that is the case, and that's me giving them some benefit of the doubt, you can't have that in a different episode. I don't think. I think it needs to be in the same episode. Um, so I did really like though at the end of the episode they let Waverly have some baggage too because she's been dealing with this whole like paternity thing for a while like since the end of last season right oh yeah 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 we have it's just one of those things that the show keeps like bobbing up to the surface a little bit and Mm -hmm. then I immediately forget about it until they bob it back up again Mm -hmm. and they just kind of keep hitting it they're hitting a little bit more this season um but that that's a good point that you're bringing up as well because a connection that I hadn't drawn at all because I just kind of keep forgetting about it until they say it and then I just immediately forget about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you think that there's a possibility that with this discussion of, oh, it's happened, there were rumors that it happened once before that we're going to find out that either Waverly or maybe Doc is, you know, a, was, is a product of an ERP and a Revenant or, or some other character we've met before? <sighs> oh, honestly, I feel like if it was Waverly, um, there would like have an, been a hint Like of a cousin it. or something, you know? Right. There would have been, like, a hint of it when she was possessed by the goo. I feel like the goo would have, like, had some fun with being aware of that on some level. That's true. Um, 
and that's that's me like ex- not knowing the extent of the goo's ability to like sequence a genome uh-huh. <laughs> um and if the the genomes of those two things are different enough um and doc's a possibility i suppose um i hadn't I haven't given it much thought i but i don't think it's just off the top of my head that it's waverly just from mm-hmm. a goo perspective but that's me being me um yeah i don't know I, I i don't i don't have an answer to that um yeah 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 i do like what we get here with um with doc and uh jeremy right and and yeah and dolls and did you um, okay you didn't you didn't enjoy that i thought it was super boring oh i thought it was fun <laughs> i i really enjoyed the effort they put into the dolls and doc relationship Mm-hmm. And where they've gotten them to, I think, is is a good place. Yeah. Um, I was just assuming that that Winona and Dolls had had sex, and that's what the drama was about, you know? So mm-hmm. when they're like, no, it's some other guy, I was like, oh, I just, I thought that it was the two male leads. My bad. Like, was that just me? <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, I'm sure it wasn't just you. <laughs> I was like, okay. I didn't realize we weren't supposed to assume that they, I didn't realize we were supposed to assume they hadn't had sex um, based on how, like how they played everything and how Mm -hmm. upset she was when dolls is missing and everything. I was like, Oh wait, that's just over some flirting. Yeah. Apparently it's really good flirting though. It's like super good flirting. It's like the high, like it's the high quality. Right. Yeah. No, that's like flirting that you only get like once in a lifetime type of stuff. Apparently, apparently, apparently. Yeah. Okay, well, any other thoughts on Winona? Or besides, of course, again, I need to second and uh, co-sign how just delightful and adorable everything with Drunk Hot was. And, like, I can't lie to Waverly. <laughs> it, was so, it was so funny. It was so funny. I I, I, I can't, like, I, I just need, like, the, all of that super cut together so I can watch it over and over again. Oh, I'm sure the gifts are out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure the gifts are out there. <laughs> I just um, like how immediately she just like keeps down. She's like, no, I'm just going to keep right. taking these shots. Not, yep. No questions asked. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep up with you, Winona. And it's just like, oh, okay. And except Winona's not really drinking a lot, but it's like, I'm just going to keep up with you. And it's just like, do a lot and put phones and beers. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really good comedic performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do appreciate how they've immediately gone to oh yeah uh creepy mra guy his sisters are totally in on it like i like that they have again once again the show hasn't stretched that out and um and so when i was like confused why her friend is acting like that but not so confused that she's blind to it um another smart choice so yeah for me it was a little bit this episode was a little bit off because of the stuff we discussed but there was enough things that i I found absolutely adorable um Mm -hmm. with the guys and with uh, with nicole that it, it ended up in the plus column for me Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, um, it's sort of like in between, I guess, for me in that I was really bored by all the guy stuff and mm-hmm. interested, but disappointed in all the lady stuff mm-hmm. and immediately went, oh, but this show's really good without any of the guys. Huh. <laughs> <I> wonder. <laughs> How about that? Well, I think that's a good uh, pivot over to the bold type if you can't is. the feeling. Um, so, oh, so, I, so, I think... so many things in this episode. <laughs> Okay, I have, I have to take a very controversial stance here. Um, I don't like Kadena that much. <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Say more, because uh, I'm sort of like I'm a little bit on the fence with her, but I I, I like the performance. Um, so say more. 
Yeah, and I say Kadina because I mean Cat and Adina. Um, okay. So I like Adina just fine on her. Oh, own. okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I miss her. Okay. Yeah. No. And yeah. I and I think the stuff that they're doing with Cat is very interesting, but like. Okay, Kat, a big part of who she is and her identity and everything is all of her social media stuff. Like, that's her job. That's what she's knowledgeable about. She's very connected. And, and maybe does she need to unplug sometimes? Absolutely. But the stuff that they were doing and they're, like, not a date date um, as they're walking around when she's just, like, takes her phone. Like, you got to live in the moment. It's like she wants to record the person playing the violin. That's, like, that's not weird. That's a normal thing. Or she's like, let's look up a restaurant on Yelp. She's like, let's just be your two in your phone. And I was like, it was it was getting really irritating to me. And it's the kind of thing that didn't they're trying to make it be a counterbalance and she's showing a new perspective to Kat and that's a really positive thing. But for me it was just really obnoxious, like sort of like the, oh, I don't even own a TV kind of response. So like I was actually And getting... Adina probably doesn't own a TV, but for not television related reasons. For very different <laughs> reasons. And and so wh- while I have enjoyed their dynamic up until this point, for me this episode was like I was just watching being like, okay, Adina, great. Cat, great. The stuff that they're doing with them, the like the whole like dr- uh conflict between them I thought was really interesting and really, really well done in this episode. But it just was pointing at reasons that I don't think they work as a couple, <laughs> you know? So, like, they're trying – like, I was rooting for them before, but then after this episode, I'm like, oh, man, if every time that they're together, it's – they're they're out together, it's going to be like, Kat, the way you live your life is wrong. It's going to – it's going to get really old. No, and I, I don't disagree with that, but I am also someone who has has had a couple of friends who just – don't put down phones when they're interacting with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't necessarily need you not to record the violin player, but I do need you to talk to me like mm-hmm. eye contact type <laughs> of thing. Um, and not texting me while I'm right in front of you. Yeah. Um, t- and that's kind of, so I'm sort of splitting the difference there uh, with that in that I, I kind of understand where Adina is coming from, but it's also one of the things where I go, but, it's really obnoxious um, that, and it's also one of those things where we're also seeing it. Like I've seen this type of behavior from other characters before, and it's still just kind of annoying in mm-hmm. the whole, you're, you're missing the whole world type of thing. Yeah. And it's just like, but sort of, but not really. And not even a little sort of type of thing. <laughs> and yeah. So, I mean, there's, and the, the the other problem is, is that I feel like the show sort of validates Adina in mm-hmm. her perspective on this and like pulling Kat away from like the all consuming monster of her cell phone. Mm-hmm. And I kind of go, but like you pointed out, it's just like, it's kind of her job and social media is occasionally probably a 24 seven sort of job, but also Kat apparently hasn't heard of like buffer. Um, yeah so she's constantly live tweeting things i'm just like you but you can schedule those tweets now cat you can do that and just mm-hmm. like step away for a minute so it's it's one of those things where i'm just like I, I i'm enjoying all of this but it's just like i'm not enjoying the path there i think and i think if they had tied it into her doxing from the last episode more sure that and that's like not a thing here no yeah it would have <laughs> been way more effective though it's like after everything you've gone through with like your doxing recently, like just 
get away from your phone because people are probably still harassing her too you know like yeah that would have been a great way to like strengthen what adina was saying and you know it's like you needed you need to detox after all of that like yeah they don't do that they totally forget the last week's episode happened yeah yeah no they totally do um now are you aboard the good ship kadina i mean i'm sort of like hanging onto a rail i guess is like the best <laughs> way to frame it is like i'm more interested in this in sort of a like sexual identity mm-hmm. discovery sort of narrative as more so than i am necessarily like on a ship uh for this is like i like this storyline i don't necessarily need them to like I'm, I I don't really I I'm probably in more agreement with your point in that these are two very mismatched people in a lot of ways, and the show's not showing me them finding a balance. But now hopefully maybe they can find that balance, and then maybe I can like climb aboard a little bit more, <laughs> get a few rungs up the the yeah, ladder. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. What about the uh, the rest of the episode? Where I guess let's go. Let's start with the other love interest. We have um, Jane. And pinstripe guy, right? Uh, Ryan. That that moved quickly. Yeah. No. Well, I'm 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 really glad that um, Jane is moving quickly on this. Um, mm-hmm. given like how they were just sort of like, I don't know what I like, and then it was just like, I like this, and I just went, oh, I'm excited about you liking this, mm-hmm. and I'm again excited that this is airing right before the 700 Club. <laughs> 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 it's just making me really happy um so i enjoyed that i enjoyed like the opening with um sutton on her phone making bets mm-hmm. um with cat i just went oh this is really good this is very funny i'm enjoying this mm-hmm. um so no i i really enjoyed all of that um i still don't really have like an attachment to like ryan as mm-hmm. like a character or as a love interest beyond a guy who is good at sex apparently is Mm. sort of and does a really good batman voice of tell me what you want and um which was also really really funny uh the follow-up on that was just really funny um so i'm sort of just like whatever about ryan as like a figure and i think that's sort of like where we're where the show is sort of struggling as we're like dealing with adina and Ryan are both just kind of weirdly amorphous sort of like one note sort of characters. And the same thing can be applied to like Richard as mm-hmm. well. So I'm just like, I-, I need some, I need some fleshing out of these romantic interests. If you want me to consider them romantic interests. <laughs> <laughs> I also have no idea how old Richard is supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I, I don't like thinking about it. Because... Yeah, like because they they keep doing things that are, I guess are supposed to remind us that they have a big age gap, but they both look so young. Like they she both look like, exactly the same age. They do not look like there's a significant age difference, and so we're just supposed to like remind ourselves that there's a significant power differential. Um, and like he's like, oh, I remember when I was twenty six. I'm like, okay, you still look twenty six. How old are you supposed to be on this show? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> They should do a better job of making you look air quotes distinguished if you're supposed to be an older gentleman in relation to Sutton. Um, I did like what we got with Sutton's what job the hell? here. That actor is 40, Kate. Yeah, well, I believe it because, of course, he was the asshole white uh, husband, rapist husband on Mad Men. Uh, see, I, so, I didn't know yeah. that, but still. I don't believe that he's 40 either. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is he's the male younger. 
Yes, he. Yes, that is exactly. He's been lying about his age this entire time to get more <laughs> distinguished roles. Yeah, but so that's the thing is like the the way that they're either just his his bone structure or the way that they're costuming or dressing him or whatever. Right. Does not they do not show that age difference? Like, yeah, I do not feel like he is significantly closer to age in to Malor Harden than he is to the sudden character. So that's that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I, in execution. Um, anyways, uh, what what do you think about Sutton's new job? I I didn't really like. It's, it's one of those things where this is a really rote sort of plot point of. I'm not going to say anything that you about the mistake that you just made because uh, it benefits me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna win out in the end because you and I have the same background. I just mm. went, oh, why? Are, see, show this is what we were talking about when we were talking about it being more interesting. <laughs> if she didn't get her dream, yeah. <laughs> and now you were just falling into a number of fashion uh, ingenue working her way up through the system exactly the way every other fashion ingenue has worked her way up through the system in these kinds of narratives. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh God, I've seen this story a gazillion times already. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really struggling with the foster, the foster, the Sutton corner of the show uh, right now. A lot, a lot. Yeah. Well, um, I like what we get here, but I mean like this idea that she lied to him, she didn't until, Right. Like, so she, she didn't, didn't correct lie. him. She didn't correct him, and that's not the same. When she when he said, I can really see the fit influence, she's like, really? Oh, great. But she didn't say, you know, like she she never actually lied. And if, if he's taking umbrage at not correcting him, then then fair enough. And that yeah. you need to be able to rely on your assistance to, yeah. to help you not make mistakes. But, like, I don't know. I think they overplayed that a bit. Yeah, yeah, no, they did, and but because they wanted that bonding mentor moment at the end of yeah, I listened to Patsy Klein on the bed of my father's pickup truck, and I just went, oh god, I can't do this right now, and but I also like couldn't do Jane being on a political reporting panel with a guy who has a Peabody or a woman who has a Peabody award, a guy who wrote a expose about the Pentagon and has a book coming out. And just this other th- this other person. I just went, Jane, did someone drop out? Is that why they scrambled to put you on this panel after you've written one article? Oh, I, I, in my head canon, yes. And I think that's great. <laughs> Is it? I was, I was very much like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't understand why you're here. When the, when the moderator asked why she was there, I just went, I would like to know the answer to that question as well, show. See, there's this network called Freeform, and we're a show on it, and they need me to be on a panel. Yeah. So I really struggled with that, but I also struggled with um, at towards the end when Jane's feeling really sort of down about all of this and about her performance on the panel. And uh, uh, Jacqueline comes around and goes, have you checked your Twitter feed lately? And I just went, why is the 50-year-old woman telling the 20-something if she's checked her Twitter feed lately? How is that a thing that Jane has not checked recently? <laughs> to see that she's been quoted by someone. It's just like, I don't know. The, the, there's a lot of, like, seams in this episode, basically. And it was really frustrating to see all of them. Really apparent. Yeah. What I am here for, though, is them continuing their Teen Vogue narrative of getting into the political yes, coverage. That was great. Super fun. That is going to be really fun. And I like Jacqueline's whole 
no, we're going to draw a line in the sand right here, and you guys can decide if you want these page views or not, is yeah. sort of where that's going, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, definitely. And, and that idea of her being aware that she's, that she's behind the curve, and yes, the board's really even good. further behind the, the, the ball than she is. Right. And that, that, and I like how, I like how sort of self-aware, like they're making Jacqueline about that. Cause I just went, Oh, that's good that she's acknowledging this. I like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's good. They've really handled that character very well. And, uh, yeah. given her interesting, like they've balanced her well. So she's not too straightforward of a cheerleader. Yeah. Um, but she still comes off, uh, because of Harden's performance, as very canny, very knowledgeable, and, and definitely intimidating. But also, she's a smart editor. She, her, her People who work for her are not going to do a good job if, if she's belittling them all the time, you know? Right. Or if they're in jail. <laughs> or if they're in jail. Like, if she does, she cares about them as people. She cares yeah. about them as employees. Um, but her job isn't to make them feel better all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so I absolutely. think they've, they've really threaded that, threaded that needle. Uh, well, what wins your week in genre and drama? It's it's somewhere between, isn't it? And all it is somewhere in between. That second episode. Um, no. So I'm, and see, here's the thing: is like I really enjoyed Three Buckets, Kate, uh-huh. but um, I've been drunk. Revisit- Nicole, <laughs> I, I I've been I've no, it's not even that. I've been revisiting um, Code Geese, which is this anime from the mid-90s. Uh, not uh-huh. mid-90s, mid-aughts um, that Crunchyroll reacquired the license to through Funimation. And I've been re-watching that, and it's so good. And so that wins my week in TV is the fact that I've watched a season and almost a season and half of that show since Friday. Um <laughs> So that wins my week in genre and drama. And if you're looking for a really over-the-top mecha anime with um, weird supernatural powers and super dramatic, um, yeah, that's 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 your winner right there. Um, so what won your week in genre and drama, Kate? Man, it's tough. It's tough, it's so... right? That's yeah. why I picked something we didn't discuss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I guess I have to give it to Adventure Time, Three Buckets. Mm-hmm. It is a terrific episode. It's just kind of like... Drug Nicole's just so fun, you know, and like the insanity of Twin Peaks episode eight is just so just like out there. It's so its own thing. It's, you know, it's hard to compare them, but I'm, but I'm going to give it to Adventure Time this week. Okay. A few show notes here at the end of our weekend TV. You can find a post for this episode at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you're watching and what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an, and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher. We would appreciate ratings and reviews in both places. Uh, it helps other people find the show and lets us know what you're thinking of the podcast. You can also, of course, find us on Facebook, like the page and start up a conversation there. And we are both on Twitter. I am at theteleverse. No you are uh at noel rk and i also mentioned that i uh just recorded a episode for debating doctor who talking about some classic who with friend of the show alistair wilkins so that will be going up soon on you can find that i'll tweet that out on twitter if you want to listen to me talk a whole bunch about classic doctor who and not like i I barely mentioned how much i hate steve moffat like just like i slipped (laughs) it in but i did like it was such such a straight noel you would have been proud um, anyway, so that's going to be going out soon. But now we have to talk Comic-Con. So let's take a break um, and come back uh, after a little bit of music with my sister to talk Comic-Con 2017. We'll be right back after this. It's over, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it over? It's over, isn't it? Isn't it? 
back with the televerse this is kate kalzig joined as ever by noel kirkpatrick and returning once again my lovely sister maggie kalzig welcome back hello <laughs> to do our wrap-up of san diego comic-con 2017 so noel i'm gonna hand hosting duties over to you and you can ask us questions ah yes and then we can answer them we can answer what would them. you like to know about comic-con this year I'd like to know if Maggie used that voice the entire time that she said hello. Yes. Hello. <laughs> oh, my God. Edit see that. where I get the voice thing from. Edit now. that out. Yeah. No, that's staying oh. in. <laughs> Edit. <laughs> no, so I guess uh, first things first is which panel stood out to you guys the most this year? Hmm. The most. That's hard. There are a lot of. There are a lot of good ones. We, it was a good year. It was it wasn't a spectacle filled year. Like we, it was. I mean, like we're anticipating. Sound like such brats, but yeah, the food honestly has nothing to do with Comic Con. But I, I feel like the food. Was <laughs> the food was the panel that the stood food out. Was the panel that stood out? The breakfasts, plural. We, we got some really delicious breakfasts. We did. So. Oh, I would like to give a shout out to a um, a restaurant bar, bar. Over in San Diego, but in the gas um, gas lamp, gas lamp uh, district, uh, El Chingon was awesome. Yeah, that was very cool. Um, very cool. We re- really appreciated their decor. We did. Also, uh, Cafe Twenty One had a delicious, mm. yeah, savory bread pudding eggs Benedict. You wouldn't think those would go together, but it was amazing, and they did. Um, and Breakfast Republic. Had some... Yeah, Breakfast Republic was ridiculous. Really tasty stuff. Oh, so, like, yeah, definitely check those three out, you know. We I'm will glad get you to... guys were well-fed before the panels. Yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> well, we gotta make sacrifices. We carried around lunches and stuff. We did. Like, we were very good about We had about salads that. and we yogurt and spinach. everything. But we splurged on breakfast. But the question was panels, Maggie. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um. So, uh, there were... Just some panels and just some moments, I think, that stood out. Um, so one of them was the LGBT... Well, no, what was the title of it? It was Moonlight and Magic... Uh, Moonlight and Magic Black LGBTQ Contributions to Sci-Fi, Fantasy, Comics, and Genre. I thought was um, really interesting. All of their um, all of their speakers had something interesting to say, and especially uh, Monica Roberts. Um, she is a transgender activist, Um I mean, I don't know her whole background, but it's it's impressive. <laughs> Just start with that, but uh, but yeah. So she was. Uh, it was really interesting to hear from her. And uh, one thing that she mentioned was about um, flipping the gender script. So when people misgender her, um, she starts misgendering them just right back with uh, either okay. changing their name or the pronoun. So I just hadn't um, heard that term before it was just um it was kind of cool getting her perspective yeah and they talked a lot about um because again it's intersectionality so yeah last year of course we went to the lgbtq year in review panel which was terrific and we went to it this year and it was good this year too um but the stuff that they covered at that was very different than the stuff that got talked about at the black lgbtq panel and seeing a panel of i think it was like five or six people or maybe five panelists and the moderator 
men and women of color up there talking about, you know, what had been going on in their experience in the past year and just different, you know, uh, different issues they'd run into. There was a comic book creator who was making... Oh, what's it called? Um, uh, Ramona... At, Ramona Rising. Rising, yeah. At, no, no, no. No, it's not Ramona. Is it, it starts with an R. I think it is. I think it's Ramona. Oh, yeah, with, with an H, though. At the end, Ramona yeah. with an H. And who had been... Who had designed this comic, and it showed some art, which was gorgeous, but yeah. then had been asked by the the people who was working with on the on the on the comic to to lighten the skin tone of the lead uh central figure several times um and so just talking about how how their identity as black lgbtq creators and and uh critics and that kind of thing affected their experience um in pop culture was 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 a really great conversation and then they had the lgbtq year in review immediately after which was it was was right after and it was all white people yeah no 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 incorrect oh sorry it was not all white people there the the moderator who was not a panelist i meant panelist but you're right yes the moderator uh was of asian descent and one of the panelists who uh is is very uh light-skinned is mixed race or biracial mixed race. She said mixed race, so that's what you know. But um, but but very much. Uh, but, they use the term passing. Yeah. Um. So, but it just so it was a very and every show they talked about was a very white show, and every comic and everything they talked about was very white. So it was it was really nice to see more diversity of diversity panels. Um. At yeah. Comic Con this year. Well, especially when you had the one like right in the same room, same seats after the other. That's kind of what made it more glaring. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Also, in the only time I've ever seen this happen at Comic Con, um, two of the, one of the panelists and the moderator of the Black LGBTQ panel um, were stopped by security. That's why they the panel of got their started cosplay. late. So it got started late because they had been detained by security and had to go through it, had to like prove that they were panelists before they were allowed to keep going and get to the panel. And the the panel the moderator had like this giant African flag. Uh, that she was carrying, but neither of them had anything no, out of the ordinary for Comic Con. I couldn't even tell they were cosplaying. So maybe the security had taken something from them. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it was it was weird. So I was like, I was like, this is all. I almost was like, is this a bit or whatever? <laughs> yeah. This is a little too perfect. But obviously, I don't think it was. I believe them. But the, the, so that was a really terrific panel. Um, any other panels that stood out to you this time? I know my answer. Well, let me see. Oh gosh! Why don't you go first? Because I'm well, I, like just Winona Earp. Oh, Winona! Yes, that was delightful, and I'll have to check out that show. You know? Maggie's never seen Winona Earp. No, I've never seen it. Um, but I will have to check. Crash it. course in yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but they were kind of like, they were kind of like the the Teen Wolf from one that one year, but like better quality, obviously. <laughs> but like the how but fun just the, panel the feel was. and the appreciation of the fans, the connection, and yeah. Yeah, that was a really high energy panel. It made me like dolls more, Noel, because the actor who played dolls he had was flown awesome. in like the, on the red eye to come from a, a premiere in New York so that he could be there for the panel. And then mm-hmm. he he entered the room. They started the panel with him coming in, getting everybody to stand up and cheer. When I say Winona, you say Erp, that kind of a thing. And then running yeah. up and down the center aisle, high fiving everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's how you start a panel. That is. I was like, <laughs> I was like, well done, sir. Clap, clap. <laughs> yeah. And they saved the announcement of the renewal for right then, which yeah. made it a really exciting moment. And that was a lot of fun. The trailers and everything was was. The terrific. moderator was great. The moderator that was the she, best moderator. La- definitely, yeah. Oh, that's a lot at of mildly credit. amused on Twitter. Um, she was, she was terrific. She was, yes. 
What else? Any other ones? Like, I really like the Danger and Eggs panel. You you didn't go to that. You were on the floor. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Well, so they had the Steven Universe. They did a live um, playing of Here Comes a Thought with um, the actress who does Stevani. Adrian Michalka. Okay. As well as Estelle. As well as Estelle with and... um, Rebecca Sugar on the ukulele. So that was, that was really cool. And um, apart from that, I had fun at Rick and Morty. Uh, oh, and Bob's Burgers was delightful, you know, because it's cool because you go to these panels and they have, like, like some people, you know, but mm-hmm. um, usually it's not everyone, but Bob's Burgers, everyone was there. And uh, and they're just so funny. Who's the, the who's the, what's the name of the, the voice actor for Linda? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. He was delightful. I mean, they were all wonderful, but... Um, but yeah, so that was really that was really fun to hear them and to see them answering questions and just to see kind of the dynamic between the cast. Um, well, you have, yeah. and again, what I think is interesting is that obviously a show like Bob's Burgers, you love you and your husband Ugh. love that show. Yes, and Rick and Morty, you'd seen like maybe two episodes ever. I know, but I, I like I thought it was funny from when I'd seen it. Yeah, but what or, or like Winona Earp, you'd never seen before. Never seen before. But you still you, really you had enjoyed mentioned it. The different, you know, like, you don't need to have seen the shows no. to appreciate a well-done panel. Not if it's a good panel. Absolutely not. No, we saw People of Earth. Mm-hmm. That um, one, they had everybody from the cast there almost. But not why it's an act. I was but like, But it was almost too, it was too many people. Because <laughs> there right, were so many people. Is, that cast is big. It's a big cast. Yeah, but it was fun. The guy who does, um, what's the actor who does uh, Glasses. Oh, Brian Husky. Sorry. He was, like, everyone was funny. He was, like, he was killing me. He yeah. was slaying it. Yeah, they had some delightful. bits. They had some recurring bits. Some bits and things. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, did you think they prepped the bits? Oh, no. They're improv comedians. They're fine. No. Okay. No, it didn't come <laughs> off like that Just want to make sure. I was like, Anna Gasteyer and Brian Husky yeah. and Oscar Nunez don't need to prep their bits. Oh, yeah. What's <laughs> it? Who came in doing, like, a lap? Wasn't it Oscar Nunez? Yeah, Oscar Nunez was very hyped. Yes. He, he, yeah. did, he did a lap. as He committed to a bit so... Ex- he like he, he ran off the stage and then came back around, did a lap, and then went back onto the stage. Oh, again. another one that was really was really fun was the quick draw panel. Mm-hmm. And then they had these three really well. What is, so? What is quick well, draw? yeah? What is the quick draw panel? Well, they have these three. Is uh, it like a Hanna Barbera thing where you've got a horse and he's got a belt, gun belt, and a no? That's I'm sorry. No, it's not that. <laughs> Do you okay. want me to just say yes? You're like no, because yes, exactly that would be wrong because it's not quick draw. McGraw? Is that who this could yeah. draw? Sounds familiar. McGraw. No, um, no, so I have these, like, really, three really talented, um, cartoonists, and they have, uh, this, uh, the host will just give them different topics, and they have to, like, instantly draw their response to it, and they had the three, like, big screens that projected right on their work. Um, okay. so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would. You would just have to see the pictures, and and they were they were very specific about not taking pictures of the art as it was being drawn and that kind of thing. I got one because I didn't. To Maggie. Oh. Ah, ah, I ah. didn't. It was that okay. Sure, I, sure you didn't. Sure. Then like I look around and everyone's taking pictures. I was like, that yeah. was no, that was just oh, some person. Well, if everyone was driving there. off a bridge, would you drive off? Yes. Too? Well, clearly there's yes, a I reason would. that many people are driving <laughs> yeah. off a bridge. They probably have a very good they probably meal. have a great reason. No, <laughs> I like I didn't know. So I took a picture, but my opinion was like one of the best pictures. Um, the prompt was punishing Russia. How do you? Yeah. For the saying, you know, for the interfering. And it, it was in the it elections. Was, yeah. Dudes with the Russian hats um, being forced to watch Fox News. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really seem like punishment for them. Mm. It's, I, it was, it's a isn't real that punishment for everyone. <laughs> no, it was, it not, was for, a very, not for a large number of people. Whether they know not. it or not. It was it was one of the more politically uh aware and discussing that stuff show uh, uh, panels that we went to. There was a lot of anti-Trump comedy sure. happening yeah. at that one. Shocking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, Barrowman. John Barrowman was fun. Yeah, we went to the Barrowman panel, uh, which was basically just like him doing a lounge act in a TARDIS dress. Yeah. TARDIS cosplay. I have uh, pictures. Right. I, well, you have pictures, too. Right? Yes. And it's the kind of panel that, of course, ends with John Barrowman singing Copacabana because it's John Barrowman. So, right. yes, he's going to end yeah, I got that singing video. it. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the TARDIS dress. In the TARDIS dress. Yeah, he was rocking it. He was no rocking heels it. this year, but no heels. Uh, color coordinated tennis shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's all good. Um, so, like, I saw some tweets from you guys about this. So, where did you fall on some of the John Hodgman debates? Mm. That was because I don't. That was I don't remember. Good I don't remember one. what the topics were, but hopefully you would since you went. Well, the uh, you were there. The big takeaway yeah. for me was an appreciation for Charlie Jane Andrews yeah. or Andrews and uh, one of those. Um, I will look it up later. But who I, I kept going by Charlie Jane, so that's why I know that part of of her name. Who is a who is an author who I was not familiar with at all, but was clearly on the panel to be the one who actually knows stuff about <laughs> nerd <laughs> topics. Well, you um, have to say you should say who was on the panel then. So okay, so so it was uh, Hodgman was the moderator, and then it was Adam Savage sure. from MythBusters. Um, it was uh, Aisha Tyler. Um, it was Orlando uh, Jones. Orlando Jones. It was uh, Charlie Jane, and then it, it was uh, John Barrowman. She was a good number of people, too. Five. And it was an odd number, so you could break ties, that kind of a thing. Um, but, like, for example, when the question came up, Star Trek versus Star Wars, and whichever one you don't pick, you know, the, the one you save is saved. time. Yeah, but the other one is erased from time, never existed, never can exist, that kind of a thing. And so then that was a fun, you know, it's a high stakes question. Um, but right. then and a lot of opinions we also know in the, the room. We know the answer because Legends of Tomorrow eliminated George Lucas yeah, exactly. timeline. And things go really poorly for all of history. So oh, it feels well, like a no brainer. <laughs> well, what they um, what they went with, the, the impassioned plea from Charlie Jane was that, yes, we love Star Wars. But have you seen this country? We need Star Trek. <laughs> But do we need Star Trek Discovery? Is the follow up question. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't. They didn't bring. Yeah, touche. They didn't bring that up. Um, but yeah. talking about just inspiring people to go into science, the idea of objective truth and and sure. an optimistic future and all of these different things. So it was. It was a fun. Wow, you're describing things that do not apply to Star Trek Discovery at all, based on the trailers. How about that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and how about that article in Entertainment Weekly today, as we record, that is detailing all the conflicts between Brian Fuller and the production team. Anyways, um, yeah, th- so that it was, you could rely on a thought, a well thought out and reasoned argument um, for Charlie Jane, even when s- stuck with a topic she didn't agree with, <laughs> you know, when forced to argue the other side of something. Um, mm-hmm. She did a really great job. Um, they had best John Williams theme, and Orlando Jones couldn't even oh my, they, I'm sing sorry. Harry Potter. I mean, come on. Yeah, there was like way too much, like, it was way too hard. To like come up, they with they themes. struggled too much. To too come much. Up with I mean, like there's so many of. I mean, and that has Barrowman saying do... three of them. You will, yeah. He's saying out of Africa, somewhere in time, and then defaulted to Star Wars. Yeah. 
I know. That's like, I know maybe maybe they just didn't say it because it was the easy pick. But I was as soon as that like comes up, I'm like, you just have to give it to Star Wars. Although Aisha Tyler mm-hmm. um, said Jaws. Jaws, which I was like, okay, that's you know true because the cool thing about Jaws is it's just so simple, right? But so effective and evocative. Right. It's like two and no one picks the Superman theme. Okay. They tried to do the Superman theme, but they had trouble singing it. They had trouble singing oh. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that that, that oh. did come come back, and then they would try to throw it to the audience. But there was two. It was in volume twenty. There's too many people, and nobody was conducting to say like start. So it didn't really work to throw it to the audience. Bit messy. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Let's see one more for that one. What's the? Oh, the there was also a very um impassioned discussion about which Batman. Oh, about an actor. Aisha Tyler right. went strong for Ben Affleck. Um, okay. And the notion that he that he's playing a because Bruce Wayne a who's broken down yeah. and ruined and who's like who's just just drinking himself to death, but more and human. And he's more human. Yeah. But it's because he's drawing from his personal experience. <laughs> I was about to say that just sounds like Ben Affleck. She just sounds like she's into Ben Affleck right now, not yeah, well, Bruce Wayne. And I haven't seen his Batman, so I cannot comment on that. But I thought that it was very interesting. Um, uh, Adam West ended up winning that one, uh, but there was also a strong play for Keaton. No, but you're right. forgetting what uh, what Charlie. Well, no, I'm not forgetting. I was getting to that. You're getting to that. Charlie Jay's like, well, there's a name missing from this list, obviously, and that's Kevin Conroy. Cue a bunch of cheers from the audience. Yeah, and from Kate, which is yeah. the correct choice. That's well, that's what she was. That's what she said. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, that was one of the earlier questions. I was like, oh, I like that Charlie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good times. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Any that other topics come to mind? There were a bunch of them. It was yeah. it was like yeah. a well paced and run thing. They gave everybody like a a fan thing that had a th- red uh, thumbs down and a green thumbs up, so they could pan to the audience and and have us decide. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah, those the yeah I think that's the the gist of that one. Any other panels that we discussed previously pique your interest that you want to hear our thoughts on? Well, Sir? did you get into the Battlestar Galactica reunion? We did, and you know, I think it's telling that that hasn't come up yet. Yeah, right. I was, I've been wondering why that wasn't mentioned, and I know. I'm, it was I'm good. Curious as to why it was just sort of because it was like you know it was it, I don't know I, maybe it's it was just it was just fine. Yeah, friend know? of the show David Bax loved it, and he thought we were okay. being downers for not being more positive because we were all in the room, but we were like, yeah, it's good, it's I mean, fun. It's like you know, didn't really. I don't know. There wasn't. There wasn't anything. I think that. I think the panels that um, that you remember are things that you're that are new. That you're getting new information, new perspective, or something is is different. You know. I would disagree. I would say the most memorable panels are the ones that yes, if you're learning something new, that certainly helps. But where you can feel your own interest and passion for whatever the topic is reflected in the panelists. So well, panelists oh, yeah. who have well, that, something yeah, to say. That's true. Well, and, you know, just, you know, involvement and excitement yeah. as well. Yeah. So, like, the, 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 the highlight of the Battlestar panel for me was listening to Grace Park and then Trisha Helfer discuss their process for playing multiple different versions of their Cylon model, so eight and six. Sure. And Grace Park going like, oh, man, I just couldn't keep them straight. It was so hard. They're like, I, it was great because I had two distinct characters, and then there were like a bunch of other ones that just were interchangeable. And I was like, really? That's what it felt like when we were watching. <laughs> Whereas Trisha Helper. <laughs> yeah, Kate was like, was like some side eye from the audience. Oh, yeah, total side eye. And don't get me wrong, Grace Park did a terrific job with 
the defined characters, but the fact that she thought of all the other ones as just interchangeable and whatever the plot needs comes through in the performance. Um, whereas Trisha Helfer talked about having a very specific background and uh, like history in her mind for the different sixes, even down to ones that you only saw once or twice. And she talked about directing the um, stunt doubles or body doubles that they would have when there was like multiple sixes in the same scene, even like when they're on the base star and there's like, like there's this six over here who's navigating something. And there's six, this six over here who walks by with a folder and just being like, okay, but this, this six is this line of model. And they're like the, the seductive line. And this six is like a military six. So she should move and stand totally differently. And, and the fact that she had put all this thought and care into the details, the details of who every single six was on screen comes through clearly in her performances. And that's why there's like at least five different sixes that I can think of off the top of my head, even just down to one people who are in one episode and they're all distinct. And that's, and that's from someone who Battlestar was basically her first acting gig. Yeah. She wasn't like a dead body or something. Right. And so that's, it was, it was really interesting to hear that discussion, but there was basically only one question that prompted an answer as specific as that. And so it just turned into a general like, yeah, it's great. Aaron Douglas has a funny story, but I've already heard it before because I've watched a lot of special features. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. They started like I enjoyed the the reel that they started off with because they had this um, just like intro that kind of put together like a bunch of different cultural references from different TV shows where they've mentioned them. And, like, sewed it together like that. And I thought that was fun. And it's just interesting. You see that um, you see that a show has branched out so much and touched so many different... Has had such a big cultural effect. And when you're weaving together the different TV shows where it's been mentioned in all these different ways, um, it really highlights that. So I thought that was cool and pretty special for the show. Yeah. I You know, you know me, Noel. I would have liked it to get more specific. I would have liked them to talk about the themes. And, like, Mo did a good job as moderator, but, like, it was clear that that was not going to be what the panel was. Almost immediately. It's like, are we actually going to talk about the, the mindset that led to, you know, the post-9-11 uh, that was thematics? You know, like, they, they yeah. got into it a tiny but they, bit. But, but they didn't, they barely even touched on they it, They didn't though. want they to just go like, into it, I don't think. Really? Uh, yeah. So it was just kind of more, um, too general. Yeah, and it didn't have the energy of no, like, for example, it the did not have energy. The battles, the the Firefly reunion panel was one that I still remember, um, and that was the first year I went to Comic Con. Was that one? I was I was in line at five a.m. <laughs> for that one, um, and it was um, it was amazing. It was so intense. But of course, you know, for Firefly, that is such that was that the losing the show and the emotional journey so many people went with went through with Firefly maybe bonded that fan base stronger together and certainly did that cast. So like I, I having experienced how amazing the Firefly reunion was, I, you know, this didn't come anywhere near that. So it, it's hard for it not to be like, yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was, it mm-hmm. was like, it was fine. It wasn't bad. It was, it was like just, I mean, well, since you had a mesh, it was, frankly, it was just forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. More and fuzzies, but it didn't, won't stick in our memory. No. You know, it will stick in my memory though. Um, something I was, cause I was talking with friend, uh, like at the comic, at Comic-Con every year, uh, I make sure we spend some 
we, you know, Maggie joins me for this when she can, but I make sure that I spend some time hanging with friends of the show, uh, David Bax and Tyler Smith from Battleship Retention, um, Jason over the, the, the TV-aholic, um, usually Kyle, didn't get to see Kyle this year, though, hopefully next time, um, and so a handful of people get to, you know, hang out each year, and um, something I was talking about with Tyler was um, that... Yeah, how special last year's Steven Universe music panel was and how um, that the energy of that, that's the best thing I've ever seen at Comic-Con and just below it is that Firefly panel. But the energy that they were able to, to get from that, the intensity of it, was because of the musical performances. Obviously yeah. the connection the audience has with the show, but because they're doing live music and people can like sing along and get into it in a way it can be much more interactive and, and a much more... Uh, memorable and powerful experience and i was talking to him as we were walking to to the convention center it's like i'm surprised there isn't more of an attempt to do that in different ways to to do more musical performances when they can like shows that like imagine if they sang one of the songs from the psych musical at the psych panel that kind of a thing um and a lot of shows have done things like that and then as do they care though i mean if they want to have like a, a really great panel yeah, but like, do like they really care about? I don't. Really I don't know panel? if they do, and then maybe that's part of it. But what I thought was really interesting is that as I was like making this point, <laughs> we were walking back, and there was a brass band. I was carrying a violin at the time, so <laughs> it sort of highlighted, you know, obviously. I my just bias. assume you're always carrying a violin, though. So <laughs> it's it's a pretty fair thing to assume. <laughs> um, but as we were walking back across the street was a brass band. Uh, like New Orleans style band and I was like huh that's cool I don't know what that's about um, and then I found out later that it was for the preacher panel they had started the preacher panel because preacher of the season is in New Orleans by having that band come in and play and start kick off the panel that way um, and believe they would do like when the saints go marching in and like that's again talk about Shamir uh, uh, Anderson Anderson I think um, coming in in the beginning of the or panel and like revving everybody up Starting with a musical performance like that, you're going to get everybody out of their seats. Everybody's going to be high energy. They're going to be engaged um, and super fun. Also, as we were walking back in, we went from the band past this, uh, the bagpipers with a bunch of dudes in, in kilts and ladies similarly uh, percentage-wise clad, um, wearing like fake uh, like arm tattoos of, of uh, Claire and Jamie forever and everything for, for Outlander. And that's, again, another very iconic... Great way to advertise for your very, show. Very unique. Yeah, nobody else is going to... Bagpipers, what's that, what's that about? Oh, it's got to be that show, Outlander, set in Scotland, you know. Um, and then then I find out a couple days after we get back that Kansas played oh my the Supernatural God, panel. amazing. And kicked it off. And, and I watched... You get, you can find it on, on YouTube. YouTube, everyone. Osric Chow, who, of course, played Kevin, the prophet Kevin on, on Supernatural, filmed the whole thing. Um, so I assume it's with permission. Um, but yeah, they had this whole special intro they had filmed, um, which was delightful. You saw that whole thing, right? We'll watch it afterwards. Otherwise, okay, we'll watch that. Um, and then it, they cut, so they played a trailer and so the lights were all out and then they, at the end of the trailer, they start carrying my wayward son. And then when they get to the, like the, the chord and the drum hits where the, like everything comes in, lights come up, Kansas is there performing live on stage. And it like, the audience That's loses badass. their mind and it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was super cool. Apparently, they've been pushing to do that for a few years or whatever, and they finally worked out the logistics this year to do it at Comic-Con. Because I'm sure Kansas loves a whole generation of <laughs> teens and tweens finding yeah. their music. 
Absolutely. Um, so, so like that that kind of experience. That's some what you're looking for at Comic Con, and you know, if you're creating a panelist, how do I create a unique experience for the people who are here so they will be jazzed about the show or whatever the product, the the, the content, whatever it is. And remember it fondly, have a positive association with it, and want to support it with their eyes or their monies or whatever throughout the next year. And musical, you know, experiences like that, like the one of the one of the highlights of the panel was the for Steven Universe was the music. Yeah, was them playing and singing. Um, it was it was great. And, and so the more that panels find opportunities to to make a special connection with their fans and moment for their fans they used to do that with trailers but those always leak so they don't that's no longer a special thing you had to be in the room for but the more they find other opportunities like that i think the more successful that they will be so i'm I'm curious to see if that becomes a trend or if this is a one-off year yeah well i mean that kind of sort of like answered my the question i was going to ask was what you were hoping to see next year um, or hoping to see more of next year. And obviously this sort of interactive specialness in a lot yeah. of ways um, is the big one. Yeah. More Estelle singing, please. She sounds really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but so did um, <laughs> AJ Machaka. She did as great. well, yeah. yeah. And so did Re- Rebecca Sugar sang too, right? She, sang, she sang in an interview at least. She, okay, yeah. but... Yeah. I don't think so because she just no, played, but she played the ukulele beautif- beautifully. Yeah. Oh, we had a ukulele jam band that we went to, and oh, I like, that was fun. Yeah. Messed up well, my that was fun arm for, for a couple days. Hour. Yeah. We went to a two-hour-long jam sesh with where they gave they handed out like they had like twenty ukuleles you could just borrow. And they were nice ones. I thought they were gonna be like really like just whatever. Yeah. But they were you know, but they were nice. And they had a band and everything. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but it, it went just, too long. It we went have too some long. notes. Yeah. <laughs> So, so if you're the was it was the something tiki sneaky tiki or whatever group, yeah. If you're listening, reach out. We can give you a few notes. That's that's not condescending. <laughs> not at all. Well, they were a little condescending to us, though. Not the the people in the some of the other people in the audience. In the audience, not not, that's not, the, not band. the band. No, yeah, no. But anyway, just one person. Was it was it what were our overall like best cosplays and like overall oh my experience? Because like, I we were commenting, uh, um, Noel, and one of the things I kept seeing obviously lots of Wonder Women. Uh, various ages and genders, um, but also um, one of the trends I noticed this year was a lot more um, people, but specifically women, wearing outfits that were like light cosplay, like a, a like a like well, a dress just... that had the colors for BB-8, but wasn't like a full BB-8 cosplay, like that kind of thing where you could just buy it off a rack too kind of matching the the dudes for the t-shirts because dudes can just throw on a t-shirt with a cap shield and then they're they're good for their light cosplay that way it's been harder for ladies to to get in action unless they just do the same t-shirt thing and there was a lot more like summer like sundress kind of things like that well there was um there were a lot of moanas there was um a, a couple kafitis am i saying that right yeah tafiti tafitis um which that was pretty cool um, there were some fun interactions with cosplay. There was a like a like an amazing predator, and uh, an alien, well, ha- an alien. How, how, how did you see the predator though? You shouldn't have well, been able to see. If it's an amazing predator, you should not be able to see. That's true. Maybe well, he yeah. was fighting Batman. I assume Batman had a disruptor of some sort because though Batman seemed like he was losing in that fight, I would yeah, say. oh, he was mm-hmm. definitely losing. Yeah, because it was just this. I think the guy, the guy for. It seemed to me that the guy for Predator and Alien were, like, 
they're together. And okay. then this guy in this like super like amazing um gosh, uh Batman. Dark yeah, the Dark Knight, Dark Knight kind of style. Cosplay, but like could have walked off a movie set. Um, thing comes up and they just start like hamming with each other and uh and of course people are going nuts like taking all these pictures, as was I. But that was pretty cool. They had like oh my god, they had these three people who I just like passed. They looked they could have walked off the movie set. They looked amazing. Well, there's a lot of really impeccable cosplay on display. And sometimes it's people looking to get into makeup industry or costuming and stuff. So it's, oh. it's a great venue for that. And she was like, it was like, it was Wonder Woman. There was a group of Amazons that, I didn't that were recognize. really impressive. Yeah. I'm... I also like some of the low-key cosplay, too, though, because, like, I, one of the ones I remember is this super adorable family costume of Fry and Leela, and they had a baby in a stroller who had a little hat, like, alien antenna thingy who was, who was Niffler. And, okay. and Nibbler. Nibbler. Sorry, not Niffler. Nibbler. Nibbler is Harry Potter. Um, yeah. and, um, and they had a dog that looked just like Seymour. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're so cute. Uh-huh. I think, I think the, the mom appreciated the, a little bit more than the dad, though the dad was so excited to, I think, be recognized. And then we got to mention the bill. In line for the Rebecca Sugar autograph, we should talk about that briefly as well. Um, there was, a, you know, from Gravity Falls. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. An inflated, yeah. like, this kid was wearing this inflated bill costume. Like, okay. it was like, it was like a, I don't even know how, because he didn't have a fan on or anything, but it stayed inflated as he walked around, and his dad had made it. It looks like there was a fan in it. Yeah, but it, it, there, what, you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear anything, but there was something. It had to have been. It had to have had a fan It was a badass costume, and they're like, it was and just, it's homemade. I was like, I what? it was from a store. Yeah, it was pristine. It, it was, was amazing. And then the sister was wearing the Mabel, like the like pink-purple kind of sweater right. with the rainbow. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fun. And the dad appreciated how much we appreciated. What it must have been <laughs> hours and hours oh, of I work. can't even. It, it, it and multiple remarkable. prototypes. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, well, Def- it was yeah and there was like a little like. Yeah, there was like a little space for the eyes yeah. so he could see sure. out. You know, it was like a, a mesh thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was so like blended, so you didn't really. But they had, no, they had a group of, um, at the Rick and Morty, um, at the Rick and Morty Me-seeks. panel, they had a group of Meeseeks that were just impeccable they were awesome and they came they had all the it was like a gosh like there was golf me seeks there, there was and they each had like they like, each had their own thing and their own expression and they had like a bubble different different card. Like, little like hair styling and like had their own little speech bubble and they looked i mean yeah they looked amazing and when they came up to the mic of course their question was like know when you know when are there gonna be an episode with me seeking in again but did the whole thing in voice which they sounded like never drop character and they sounded awesome <laughs> it was i mean just like you yeah. know it was amazing also to transition to a little shade um i enjoyed seeing video of at the supergirl panel a group of impeccably cosplaying um supergirls came up to ask a question and the question they asked was hey when is Carr going to not be defined by her love interest anymore? Is she going to get to actually do stuff? <laughs> they're like, not yet. <laughs> and they're, is that next season, she can actually get to do stuff like, you know, be a reporter and save people and not have it you know, like outside of her relationship status. And the answer was like, kind of? <laughs> what was, do you want to hear? <laughs> well, it was just like, and then the rest of the panel was, was all super, apparently, I wasn't in it, but based on what other people said in the video I saw, it was all super caramelly. 
and talking about how, uh, yes, Maggie Sawyer's leaving. She's only going to be in a few episodes, but she can come back whenever, but she's going to just be gone from the show. And then um, the big mystery of season three is where's Monel? But he's going to be a regular next season too. Right. So they're doubling down on Monel. And isn't it great how much they bicker with each other? And we love this relationship. And then these this group of supergirls come up and was like, Hi, feminism? <laughs> they're like, mm. Also, they don't bicker a whole lot. Like they, they argue. They fight. Yeah. That's not bickering. Yeah. It's different. We gotta we gotta do one more shade thing and then we'll pivot back to, to, to happy thoughts to close it. But Maggie, what was your experience Getting an autograph from Rebecca Sugar, who we love, but this was kind of BS. Well, okay. So, so yeah. So, we were like, they were going to have the autograph, and, uh, like, Kate doesn't care about that stuff, but I was like, oh, should I, like, should I get it or not? I was like, okay. I was like, hmm. Got was up like, early. Then I was like, well, if we're going to do this, we have to, like, do it, because you don't want to put forth that effort, like, and then just, like, you know, not get like a chance and like why do you even get up so um so we got up at what like like 5 a.m 5 30 5 5 30 i was like okay let's like be out the door at six and try to be a little, a little bit fair to like our sleep cycles so um so we're like okay got up at 5 30 got a lift down there which we wouldn't have done normally because we yeah. already had bus tickets um get in line and then the then like we're waiting 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 like like we're both huge fans, um, and we then get a you, you we got a ticket so that you in line for, would get an autograph because you had to like get that. So we got so I went through waiting 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 waiting. Okay, I got it. You get like all the emotion and excitement of like oh my god I got the ticket woo, and um, then go to the panel on the art book which we were the last new. like the last two people in the room. Oh yeah, that was by the skin of our teeth. So we get into yeah. that panel, then like then after that we go over to the signing and like I'm like why are all these like. We were, I was almost one of the last ones there. I'm like, why are all these people waiting? Because you have a ticket. You're guaranteed a signing. Like, what's the difference? You know, you're going to wait either way. Yeah, because it's all guaranteed. Well, I found out why. Um, just for future reference for myself. Um, because, like... Well, okay, so I waited, so we're, like, I was one of the last ones. It, like, there took were an hour. Total. There were 100 total, and then I finally got to the front. I was, like, oh, my God, so excited. I was, like, you got to take a picture. I was, like, I would tell her, like, thank you for, like, putting this show out for kids specifically. But I'm, like, no, I'm not going to say anything. She's tired, you know. <laughs> um, you know, and then, like, I'm, like, oh, my God. Like, and then finally And you buy turn. the art book. Of course, I bought the art book. Yeah. And then, and like. it's a I, really nice art book. Like, I flipped it's through very it that yeah, it's yeah. very nice. Anyway, continue. So then I, okay, so I put it down, and then, like, um, and then, like, she has a stamp, like, frankly, does not stamp it well, so it's kind of faded in the middle, and pushes it to the side. And, like, I don't even think she looked me in the eye. And, like. And that was it. And that was it. And, like, my heart and, just, like, and like you, gotta, you got a picture. And, no, and then, like, and this other guy, which it turns out he wrote the book, but I was like, I don't know who you are. Like, frankly, you could skip it. I don't care. Like, you know. So um, he signed it. But yeah, I wasn't going to say that, you know. So he signed it, and then I got a picture. But, like, I was, I was really, I mean, if I were to show you this, you would have no idea in the world where it was from or who had signed it. Because it's just, it's just a, in, like, a, you know, I'm something it's just that a rubber she drew, stamp. a rubber stamp of a uh, drawing of her from of a couple yellow, characters. Yellow and blues per, uh, pearls. Yeah. Um, when, when yellow sings her song. Yeah, I okay. was, it was like, 
it, I was really upset because like you don't owe me anything. I don't think that. I don't know your life. I don't know you personally. I don't think I know you. You don't owe me anything. But it's like I was so excited. I waited in line for so long and I had so much like expectations and excitement. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to put my picture like on my desk at school. I'm going to like show my kids like, oh my God, look, Rebecca Sugar signed this and you wouldn't even know. And like as soon as like and I just I just had like thank you so much and like moved on. I wasn't gonna do any you know, I wasn't gonna like say anything or but my like just stomach dropped as I saw it was just like boom, next. I honestly would have preferred not getting a ticket than having that experience. I would much rather have preferred not getting it than that. And my thing is if that's what you're able to do and that's what you know it's very draining it's been a long weekend like we get that but communicate that don't say it's an autograph session and these are the tickets for the signing if you're not going to get an autograph it didn't like the stamp didn't say san diego comic-con it didn't have anything like that so like doesn't say rebecca sugar you would know you would have no idea in the planet you'd be like okay so yeah so like so yeah and they said you know so if if there was if it was clear in the description what you were lining for then i then i'm fine but like some people got like and the other people were getting signatures got like a sketch like a sketch of steven that looked really cool and her name and i saw one person got both and there were other people that also just got the stamp so it's like you know just it was very i, I would have preferred just not have anything because to have your expectations be this and to be able to like think oh i'm gonna be able to share this and share my story with people. And, and with so, your kids who like Steven Universe. And with my kids because I incorporate Like I just like I we did do those songs in my class all the time. And then to and also not even like not even. I know you're tired but not even looking me in the eye. I mean. Yeah. Come on. Well, yeah, and, the, and, stamp, the stamp's very like factory mechanical. Oh yeah. You would have like, no idea. And I mean if you're doing a stamp then to me that says okay. Well, you're not having to spend time writing, so you can engage me a little bit. And and then, like, I'm just supposing, like, what you're discussing with, like, some of that footage that had, like, that little girl interacting with Gal Gadot. Yeah. And Ezra Miller as well. And just, like, that is how you do an autograph session. Well, if I were an adorable little kid, that right. would have would have happened. You, Right, that's but I'm exactly not. What I'm a grown ass woman, so like, no one cares. Like, which I'm like, whatever, you know. But I get it, you know. Yeah, but. and that's again, there's no sense of like we feel entitled to her time no, and her attention. Not that at and, all. Uh, it's 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 like I'm not expecting anything. I didn't line up for an autograph. I didn't. They, you know. But when you say I will sign a hundred autographs, or you know, or I will yeah, do a hundred, it's, it's just a hundred. It's just a hundred. Yeah. Well, but but also well, each, know, each person sets their number, and apparently last yeah. year they said it was forty-five. Mm-hmm. So like, if you, like, she's clearly a very internal person, and it seems like you could tell last year at Comic Con she was very overwhelmed. Yeah. By the response, but then don't say you're gonna do it. Then yeah. just yeah. don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just having that like what has been told like shown like like this is what's gonna happen and then having those expectations and then be like oh gut punch no one cares <laughs> i was like but but i saw i mean i was i was like just pretty upset and um and then but then later i came back and i was gonna just be like whatever and get some food but then i did come back to get a signing from um 
from Dean and Shannon Hale, who are um, a husband and wife duo who've made, uh, well, they're, one of their um, famous books is the Princess in Black series, mm-hmm. which is delightful. Princess in Black series, highly recommend. Um, ooh, I'm going to say her name wrong. The, the illustrator is, I love her style, Leon... Something. Look and it up. Look it up. <laughs> she has a delightful page where it explains it. But anyway, so I so there was like no one. There was like one person in line for that. Super chill. And I had like a lovely talk with them just um, talking about like my favorite parts of their books and like a great photo. And they sent it and they were like, oh, do you want me to sign this book too? I was like, oh, I thought it was just one. And like, yeah, sure. You know, so that was, so I had a nice signing It cleansed the palate. It does. It did, which I was glad because I don't want to feel like, I don't want to feel really down at Comic-Con and be like. Yeah, I don't want to feel like that. So that was really grateful to have that mm-hmm. experience afterwards to kind yeah. of balance me out. So we love Steven Universe. We love Rebecca Sugar. We should <sighs> have been a different put me off uh, a little bit. Like I don't want it to put me off. It doesn't. It doesn't. But, matter, but it wasn't me though. I didn't experience it. Wasn't it wasn't you. But yeah. yeah, it's like you know. I'm gonna still watch the show. But like, it was really. It was a really negative experience for yeah. me so it's kind of put me off a little bit like yeah. i'm just i still watch it but it's kind of like not the same like yeah. i don't know hopefully we'll get back to back there hopefully because yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't want to feel like that but yeah. any final questions no any anything else you must know about san diego comic-con or you guys want to do cosplay next year you know, I guess it depends on who we're going with. Yeah. Okay, okay. like, I think, I that's why I have to start saving my money now, because I just, I just tutored. So I got, like, I'm like, all right, gotta guys. Gotta the fund for next year. Because right. I think that I was, oh, uh, Alexis was, my husband, Alexis was, um, I was telling him about Bob's Burgers, because we, we've watched it together, he loves it too. And then he was like, wait, so you're saying that when Breaking Bad was out, they had a panel? Like they did, right? Yeah, they did. Oh yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, like totally. And he was like, oh, you know, <laughs> maybe I would like comic. Oh, I've been telling. So like, so it depends. So like, I as so I want to start saving up a little early, you know, in case we are able to get uh, tickets, and if and if he'd be available to go, I think, um, or also our sister, um, our sister in law, if she were able to go. So I think if there were other people, maybe the the only thing that like. It's just, for me, the biggest, like, okay, there's the prep time and getting ready, which, depending on what you're doing, can be different amount of times. But also, like, apart from that, just when you're walking around, the mobility and, like, discomfort that you mm-hmm. can have depending on what you're wearing, like, that, like, I don't enjoy. So I guess you just sure. have to pick your costume. But if, like, if you're not going to have something spectacular, I'm kind of like, what's the point? You have to be invested in it. You have to be, like, excited about it. You have to be excited about it. Because you're... you're, you're <laughs> People are going to be like, oh, can I take your picture? Oh, it's awesome. It's not even and, that, though. And it's like, it gets old unless you are enthused to share that moment with them. It's not even that, though. It's like having shoes like that are pinching you because they, they like had to look like this. It's having a wig that's like killing your head, trying to keep it on. It's about not being able to walk through hallways mm-hmm. or upstairs. Um, like, yeah. And I know it's just how what you pick and how you do it. Or not being able to see. Because mm-hmm. when I was Sapphire, like, no, I was like, no. I was like, if I'm doing this, like, that hair is going to be over my eyes. Because what's the point if it's not? <laughs> you know? So then you can't see the whole day. So, and I know that's, like, a choice in what you're picking. Um, so, I don't know. I guess I just have to. It would depend on who we were going with, I think. And well, our energy level. Right. And what I'm actually hearing is if this idea of your husband and your sister-in-law comes 
then that means that you get to divide the amount of stuff that's in a backpack and Kate's not killing and murdering people on the floor. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, yeah. She says she doesn't like it. <laughs> she says <laughs> she hates it with the fire of a thousand suns. Whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. You, no. know, you know what I love, though? I love videos of Lupita Nyong'o in cosplay dancing <laughs> around the exhibit floor. I will show you this later. She oh. went. She went on to Comic Con in costume each day with a mask. Oh, she's been that's posting, the way I would do it, man. Yeah, she's been posting were, pictures, uh, video each day. That's that's really cool. Yeah, if I were if I were a famous person, I would go, but like like full on mask, and I would just like blend in. Observe would be super fun. But I'd like to do. I'd be interested in doing like a fun group cosplay because that's something we haven't done. We haven't done that yet. And if we had other people, that would be fun. Yeah, that would be a good like you could have Alexis be Bob. You know? Yeah, like yeah. it would be a good way to ease in. What about you, Noel? Have you ever done cosplay? Uh, once, um, but it was super low key and really easy. I went mm-hmm. as, and th- this will prep you because um, um, for Death Note, I went as um, L one year, oh, and all okay. that is is a long sleeved white t shirt and jeans and no shoes. So it's a really mm-hmm. low key cosplay, really really easy. Um, <laughs> but I I managed to like I I made sure to like stay in character because L has a particular way of sitting. So anytime I was sitting, I was sitting in character to make sure that it was driven home of who I was and not just some lazy guy in a long sleeve white t-shirt and jeans. I wanted to make sure that it was very clear who I was. Nice. Nice. And I had okay. enough hair to pull that off then, too. I don't have the hair to pull that off now. <laughs> Wigs. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. Well, I think on that note, I think that will wrap up our uh, 2017 Comic-Con wrap-up. Thank you, as ever, for joining us, Maggie. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you, Gentle Noel. Gentle listeners. <laughs> thank you, Noel, for, for walking us through it and for, for your, you know, at least feigning interest in our very detailed experience at Comic-Con <laughs> this year. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.